For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, friends. You're now listening to the lifestyle, leisure, and sports show. You never knew was two of those things. I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. (laughs) So, no pressure. Bo Bishop, a regional media icon. Winner of Emmys. Purveyor of the good life. Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I just said it on the radio. Also, two guys this company named Employee of the Month. What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Look sure it up. Because it's Hulk sure Hogan. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. And he's from Hollywood, brother. <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's do it live on a Tuesday edition of the program. Bo and the boys with you for the next three. Looks like we're going to have a new athletic director at Ohio State. We will get into what we know about that coming up. Tough day uh, for the Fighting Holtmans on the hardwood up in Ann Arbor. We will get to what comes from that as well. Dom coming up at 10.33. Jake Trotter going to join us on the Brown side of things at 11.33. A lot of football, both college and pro, between now and then. Um, we have reached the point where now, um, and I think it's because NBC is 12, um, and what happens, when, it's so interesting when you have three kids, how their experiences are, are framed by the oldest almost entirely, and the way that they view the world is viewed that way. So that can be something as simple as uh, what they like to do. When, when NBC was uh, was Bootsy's age, I mean, he was, he was still into a lot of the Mario stuff and all of that, and now Bootsy kind of isn't because he just is into, like, Madden and FIFA and wants to play Fortnite and all this. Like it's, but it's all because he's, he's being shaped by the 12-year-old. So we've reached the point now where all of them hate school. Now, this all happened around this. It all happened now. This year is the first time this has happened. It was exacerbated this morning by uh, the cold and the little bit of snow that we did have. And what what really was the last hour before they went to bed last night of trying to talk themselves and me and their mother into it being a snow day. I'm like, it's not happening, dude. Like, you're not getting it. You just were off, you greedy little pigs. You just were off. You were off yesterday. You had Martin Luther King Jr. Day off. You had a free day, run around, run amok, all sorts of sports to watch, hang out with your buddies. That's a win for everybody. Just, just, you don't need another, and you're not getting it either anyway. And the looks on their faces this morning as there was, you know, a little bit of snowfall and it was, it's obviously cold. Um, and, and the realization that they wouldn't and, and just Bootsy in tears getting dressed, having to go to school. Now, NBC did not hate school when he was eight not like this um and so the 12 year old's distaste for for school has now infiltrated i remember hating it in the fourth and fifth grade is when i started hating school that was the i remember that vividly mrs Bomb's class i could not stand school in the fourth and fifth grade other than that i was okay then i got better in middle school high school's fine um but i just remember that time fourth fifth grade where i really hated it yeah that's probably about the right time maybe a little bit into middle school but i think you're right it's it's, it's it's mostly okay after that. I know a lot of people have a really tough time <laughs> in high school. I thought yeah. it was I thought it was okay. I didn't dread 
going. And after about my after my sophomore year, I basically didn't miss a day my junior and senior year. I just yeah. I just kept going, including one day where it actually became a snow day. But I had made it to school early for my radio show in the between time between school being open and then ultimately deciding it was closed. And I was like, well, I made it. And I ran into one of the custodians and he's Fantastic. like, they were like gates closed. I like had to go around to a different door to Did get, get in, the run of the place for a little bit. But then I just oh, went I home because it was a snow day. But you know what they said? sound like to me your kids they sound like a group of friends who just went out and had a really fun saturday night and somebody wakes up on sunday mornings like hey what if we just run it back what if we just go get a case we got nfl games on this will be good that's what your kids do they work themselves into a frenzy of well let's just run it back and get another Mm -hmm. day off school i think i think you're right i think that's a pretty solid analogy this isn't going to shock anybody but i enjoyed school until high school and i just didn't want to go all the way to high, then high school. Then high school, like, I just didn't. It was like later in high school, junior and senior year. I just didn't want to go. Didn't want to. I didn't care. But every other, I mean, I would get. <laughs> I didn't like, care. I liked. You're I, the employee of the month for God's sakes, and you didn't care. What type of your type of role model are you? Bad one. Don't. Yeah, I'm the Charles Barkley of radio. <laughs> like, don't look to Raise me. Your own children. Don't look to me <laughs> for your life. That's a very uh, bad idea. But I never. I mean, snow days. I never looked forward to them because I didn't want to get my hopes up. Like that was yeah. always my mindset of if you wish for it and you want for it, it isn't going to happen. That's what I tried to convince them of last night. I said, just go to bed thinking you're going to school. And Wake if you're up not, and it's a pure joy. Face the day. Well, and now yeah. there's like, I mean, they still do it on the local channels, but there's no like anticipation of it. You get like a uh-huh. mass text when it happens. Yes. So it just happens immediately. Whereas you would wait every time for it to come. Yeah. For Some me, bottom it was screen C for yeah. yeah. You'd wait for that C to come around and then it would get to D again. And you go, ah. Upper you, was a U. So you did a lot of waiting. You waited a long time. <laughs> a long time. You got to Worthington and I'm like, okay, there's a chance. This is how rural it was where I grew up that there was they wouldn't even cover it on the local television so the local television we got so that was kscn radio out of shelby montana you would listen to them go through the school closings and you would just sit there in the darkness and pray and it took a lot out there like yeah. a lot like because you're prepared for it so it was like 30 below was not it that ain't going to do it like you're going to school at 30 below it was really just you know biblical amounts of snow was is kind of the only thing that would would keep you out of school because wind and wind and cold would not. I've heard this theory pick up a little bit this time of year, and I saw somebody online talking about it, and they might be right. In some ways, the two hour delay is better, especially as you get older, because then you get to sleep in a little bit, but you still bank that day of school, and all the classes get shortened, so the day is really easy. Oh, those are and, money, and you get credit for it. Those are money. You, yeah. Now the cra- what they do now is I I'm pretty sure I have this right. They build in snow days into it so there will come a point in our schedule where like if we haven't taken them they might just give an easy snow day because it's like if you don't use them you lose them so like when i was in school if you had a snow day a day got tacked on to the end of the year well now they build them in so if you don't use them you lose them so there could there will be a day here in the next six weeks i'm sure where it's questionable and they'll make a call and you're right it comes via text or call we get i get a call it's usually like 4 30 in the morning (laughs) Is, is when it happens. So Very helpful. Not, Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. it. Like, if you don't have your phone on silent, like, you're getting woken up at 4.30 in the morning with an automated minute 20 saying that there's going to be a snow emergency. So that's 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 where we're at. But they were all there, and they're fine. Um, it was kind of a, outside of, you know, what happened in the early afternoon, it was kind of a fun holiday to have this NFL doubleheader at the end of it. Um, the Bills-Steelers game, I never at any point thought Pittsburgh could win. Ever. Um, it was so 
so dominant out of the gates for Buffalo and, and Pittsburgh did kind of keep it sort of interesting. They got it to a seven point game at one point, but you just never felt like it was anything that was, that they were really going to be serious about it. And the one thing that I, I did want to discuss was, you know, we, we are so protective of the quarterbacks and on the Josh Allen run that's getting all the attention. It's the Kenny Pickett play, right? Where you think I'm going to slide and then I don't. And you start to make movement like you're going to slide and then you just run through it. And he did it for the touchdown. It's a, it's an awesome play. And I understand like you have to protect all these guys. We had, we have injuries every 10 minutes. It feels like an NFL game, serious ones. That's a tough one there because as a defender, your natural inclination is to pull up because you're like, good Lord, if I hit him, they're going to add 15 yards to this thing. Um, so you pull up and that's what happened. Allen kind of makes the motion like he's going to dive or slide. They stand up and he just runs right through it. It's a, it's a it's a brilliant play from a quarterback perspective, and it's a an incredible taking full advantage of the rules that really makes it tough to play defense. And it's funny because later in the game, you had a Steeler get called for uh, yeah. roughing the passer and unnecessary tried, roughness when he Jack tried to hold off Miles Jack. You saw his hands like his hands were like ah. Oh. Yeah, and no, but he, you, you hit him, and you can just tell now how they look that they're going to call it. You just know when when a guy unless by the sideline gets hit, unless it's Justin Fields, when a quarterback gets hit sliding, or when a guy by the sideline gets just that little bit extra, you go, oh, they're they're going to call that. And that feel that play had that feeling, but I don't think it was the most egregious hit on a quarterback ever. But then you're also thinking, yeah, earlier in the game that yeah, maybe they did pull up on that. It's funny that this one I mentioned yesterday the the chunk play seemed to dominate Wild Card Weekend. And this one had a little bit more of your generic football of teams Sustained. running these plays, but then it was highlighted by all the chunk plays yeah. that made a huge difference in this one. Uh, the the later the the second half touchdown where the guy was running through everybody and he he made it in, and then it was the turnovers though early for Pittsburgh that sealed their fate because all of a sudden it was twenty one nothing and. The team's not made, especially with T.J. Watt out, the team's not made to come back from down 21. I'll tell you this, of the three quarterbacks, though, Mason Rudolph played by far the best for them this year, and I don't know what they do there because he didn't play well enough for me to be like, that's the guy, but he played better than the other two. He's been there forever. And it always feels like whenever it's a yearly thing, right? Mason Rudolph's getting the start this week. Like That happens like week 12 on one of the weeks. It's like, ah, Mason Rudolph's going to start now. And we always say we've seen enough of Mason Rudolph to know what he is, and yet the Steelers still put themselves in this position. So is it that Mason Rudolph's better than they think, or is it that the guys that they hoped were better than him they can't are evaluate not? a quarterback so like, to they, save their lives they didn't he didn't even start the years the two right like it was trubisky they brought in trubisky and then they had pickett so they've had those two guys ahead of him for the last two years and they've had him in the building for all these years i'll say this tomlin got i mean i'm not breaking news lucky with roethlisberger and since that they haven't had to evaluate anybody and well, now that they, and, when they were forced to, it was like, what do we do with this? Hey, buddy, it was dry years between Bradshaw and Roethlisberger, too. I mean, like, it's it's Bubby Brister, it's Neil O'Donnell. And I mean just um, for the current Steelers they, regime, but you are right in that they instance. Went, they went with Tommy Maddox. Tommy Maddox. They had a little bit Cordell Stewart at quarterback. Like, it, it was a long – I mean, Roethlisberger kind of drops out of the sky on them and, and saves them a little bit. Um, you can – what happened in the night game – the complete falling off the cliff of the Philadelphia Eagles from a 10 and one team to a team that ended up losing what six of its last or five of its last six, six um, of its last seven. If you include this one. Last night. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Six of its last seven. And just 
did not show up or have any interest in playing defensive football at all. Um, and, and that will be the headline, I think, nationally. Baker Mayfield was brilliant. He was brilliant yesterday. He was. 337, three scores. He has not been otherworldly this year. He's been kind of a Baker season. It's about 64% passing, around 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, 10 picks. That's kind of a, a him at his apex season. Um, but the kid's a gamer. Um, he is a, a front runner in this instance, the positive light. When things are going well for him, he feeds into it. Um, and I think it, that it'll all come home to roost in Detroit next weekend, but they were dominant against a Philly team that had a whole lot of quit in them last night. And you have to acknowledge the season. I mean, he was, the Panthers threw him out. The Ram, the Browns, Panthers, Rams, he was at three different places in a, in an 18 month period. Nobody wanted him. It was a one year come and start situation in Tampa. They got 10 wins now, including that one, and they're on to the divisional round. He's got a playoff win. It's crazy in this game because it feels like the Buccaneers were that team that gets in the playoffs and you say, oh, you don't want to play them. They're hot right now. But they weren't that. They lost to the Steelers. No. They eked out a 9 nothing win over the worst team in the league in Carolina in the yeah. final week of the season and got lucky and won the division, and here they are. And, yeah, I think it's just more about the Eagles because I don't think the Buccaneers are long for this playoff run. I think it's just more about what happened to the Eagles, and the thing that stood out the most to me was in the second quarter, they they made it so that they were going for an extra point with nine points, and they obviously didn't score another yeah. point after that, but they got, 16, the, nine. They got the they got the offsides, and so they're like, oh, it's going to be a lot closer, so let's just go do the tush push, and we'll get in. Mm-hmm. But the tush push was stopped. In fact, they were stopped on all of their money downs throughout the game. 0-11 combined on third and fourth down in the game for them, which is something that we had not seen from the Eagles. And I don't know if that's a factor of they've been figured out or if they kind of gave up on the season. What is it? But they've got a lot of questions, including around their head coach now. Yeah. The fact that, I mean, we had said for the last two seasons, it felt like that Philadelphia gets four downs. Yeah, for right? sure. They were going to, and then when mm-hmm. it's fourth and short, you're getting, they're getting it. They're just mm-hmm. able to get it. And really the Buccaneers have, kind of quietly for the past couple of weeks have had a really good defense. And I think the quietly part is because they haven't really played teams that you respect. I mean, I think one of their um, one of their wins against Green Bay, they held the Packers to 20 points. And so that mm-hmm. feels, you know, that feels like it's, it's overlooked because we're not paying any damn attention to the Buccaneers and Packers in week 16. No. We're not paying attention to the, pa- to the, to the Buccaneers really at all outside of a, a win like last night. And that defense, uh, you know, I don't want to, as a guy who can't really evaluate defenses anymore because mine didn't show up for me when I needed it over the weekend. Yeah. Like, that's one you can take to Detroit with you in well, Tampa Bay. A lot, a lot of holdovers from that Super Bowl team, too. Devin yeah. White, you know, you think you start looking at the roster, Winfield, you start seeing Goodwin and, and uh, Mike Evans. You, you see these guys, they, they've done a lot of winning there. And I, I think that helps as well. Uh, a lot of winning was not done in the early afternoon. A, a brutal loss for the Buckeyes up in Ann Arbor. We will get to that. There's going to be a new leader in the athletic department. What we know, honestly, not much. Um, but I will tell you this. It's a dramatic change from the type of hires that Ohio State had made previously. We'll get to all of that. Busy day here on a Tuesday off and running. Bishop and friends are here on the fan. Buckeyes, Jackets, Crew, and Panama Ted yelling about something being too hot. I don't understand it either. The fan, Ohio sports destiny. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done. Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. And we're sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss without medication. Solution for weight loss, awaken180weightloss.com. I think the number you were looking for, and this has changed dramatically because of the events of the last couple of weeks, but I, I think the number you were looking for for the Buckeye basketball team to make it to March Madness is it was really 11, right? That gets you to, what, 11? and they play, tw- they play 20 Big Ten games, they play 18. I think they got to, well, I know they got to go 8 and 6 down the road to get to 20 wins. Um, so that's that's the number you got to get to. You said at 12 and 5 now for dropping your third straight, this one at Michigan yesterday in Ann Arbor, and at 20 wins is kind of the sweet spot. Um, so that would put you at 8 and 8 and 6 down the stretch would put you at at 10 and 10 in Big 10 play. 20 game conference schedule, yeah. Okay, so there you go. So you got so 10 and 10 I don't think does it. That gets you to 20 wins. That doesn't make you a tournament team. I, I, I don't see any scenario how 10 and 10 in this league gets you in the tournament. So I, I think you really have to go nine and three down the stretch. Or I'm sorry, what would it be? Nine and five down the stretch is the number you got to bit. 11 and nine in Big Ten play would put you squarely on the bubble. Um, and, and it's hard to envision that now. There is a stretch in the game that is, I mean, it was like deja vu all over again where they are on a 16-0 run. I mean, Bonner is kind of triggering it. Thornton's on the bench for much of it, um, except for the very end of this 13-0 run. It's 56-55. After being down by 11, they battle all the way back. They're up one. Put Thornton back in. He drills a three, and it's 59-55. And you say to yourself, all right, let's let's go. We got a little bit of momentum here. I mean, Jalen's in the booth and you got the Fab Five courtside for the first time in forever. And um, let's let's finally get one. And then you have I mean, what feels like like eight possessions of just nonsense, just nonsense, just bad shots, inability to get any sort of separation. Um, it's like your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn that they just don't get quality shots and they don't have the players with an ability to be able to do it. Um, so while Michigan was getting open looks, they got a couple of open looks. They got a, a crazy bounce on a three, um, that, that went in and they got a wide open look to, to finally, to finally clear it as, as Ohio State was desperate down the stretch and it ends up 73 65, third straight loss. And, and of course, this is, feels like January, right? This is what happens. Um, this is a very dangerous time for this program. We're, we're long past that, right? This is, this is very difficult. Coach Holtman yesterday, um, but very self-reflective on, on where his team is, um, and was asked some tough questions, obviously. Um, let's start with coach on the faith that he still has in his team. Give Michigan credit. I thought our guys, man, I loved their fight in the second half. I thought they had battled back from a halftime deficit and then down nine in the second half. I thought our, we had some really, really good stuff in those uh, in those stretches. In particular, I thought our bench gave us a really good lift. I thought Dale was great in that second half stretch. Playing big helped us. Obviously, we got to finish games and close out games better, but I uh, thought there were some really positives that we can take into this week. That was him actually talking about how he was proud yeah. of his team, but I clicked the that one You're okay. instead. You're okay. yeah. um, the one, the last one, um, because the comparisons are going to be to last year where the wheels fell off. Um, uh, Coach Holton was asked about comparing the two teams. Here's what he had to say. All the numbers would suggest it's much different than, than last year. You know, the quality of our 
games, uh, even the ones we've lost here, have, have been the quality of play has been much better than the stretch we were in last year. So, um, obviously, it's, a, it's an end result game, and we've got to figure out how to finish finish out. But those, at the end of the day, um, our play has been significantly better than, than that stretch. The, the reality of the situation is, is they're just not good enough to get down nine against anyone. Um, and so, and they're not good enough to, they're not good enough to f- finish. They, they just aren't. I mean, we, we've seen this now three straight games where there are games where you can win the Indiana game. Um, and, and then the Wisconsin, Wisconsin was just a better team. But I mean, this Michigan team was not that. This Michigan team had lost five in a row. And, um, this was one that you had to have. And now you, you know, everything's in question now. Postseason play is obviously a long shot in terms of the tournament that really matters. Um, as I mentioned, I, I, to me, boy, if you want to talk about going eight and six to get to 20, that doesn't get you in the tournament, uh, to, in my estimation. I don't think 20 and nine, um, or 20 and I, what would it be? 20 and 11 overall and 500 to Big Ten play. That, that's not going to do it. So I, I think you really have to do better than that. I think you got to be nine and five minimum down the stretch and the way that they're playing, the way they're finishing. Um, that doesn't seem very likely to me. Um, they really struggle with creating good looks in the last, seven, eight minutes of games. We This is the conversation we're having right now is similar to the conversation we had after Indiana, similar to the conversation we had after Wisconsin, Penn State. Um, the, these things are stacking. This is this is kind of who they are uh, in the last eight minutes of games. Yeah, it's that urgency that we were talking about last week that we don't really see from them late in this because you go on a, a 16 nothing run in the second half and you think, okay, yeah, that's, that's what you need to do. But because you were down 12, you're only up four in that instance and they can't keep it going. Then Michigan gets to go on a little run of their own and eventually separates the lead once more. And that's all you get from the Buckeyes because they go down there in those late game situations and it doesn't look like they have that urgency that like we need to score on this possession. We have to get this. And sometimes you trick yourself into thinking that the offensive possession is better than it is because they get a, a fair amount of offensive rebounds sometimes off yeah. of these misses, but you got to miss those shots to have the opportunity to get the offensive rebound as far as yes, they do look like they're better than last year. And even through the out of conference, I thought, yeah, this is definitely a better team than last year, but I'm not sure how much better. And it's so hard with this loss to not start thinking about last year where they went on that streak of losing 14 of 15. They haven't won a road game since January 1st last year. And I was like, when did that streak, that terrible incredible last year, it went from January 5th to February 23rd. The first loss of this little losing streak that the Buckeyes are on right now was on January 6th. So they're yeah. kind of right in line with it yep. again. I get yeah. what Coach Holtman's saying about how the numbers between uh, this year's team, between Team 125 and Team 124, are different. And they favor, in terms of production, Team 125. But the record is the number that everybody's looking at at this mm-hmm. point. Like yeah. you, you, can, you can say all you want about uh, uh, how much better they're playing overall. Mm-hmm. In terms of rebounds, points, shots, you know, yep. even Bruce Thornton, who came out in defense of, of of Coach Holtman yesterday, saying that they're not in the locker room with us. We're not going to put that bad energy out there. Everybody at this point is focused on the record, and they should be because yeah, it's end result. That's all it's that matters. I, I'll tell you, I don't need to see uh, Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale shooting any more threes. It's not, not good. good at it. They're no. not good at it. Uh, battle went, he struck one of eight yesterday. I mean, those three guys, which is, they're the ones this team is built upon. Team. I mean, that's one of eight for battle from three, two of seven from Thornton for three, oh, three from Gale from three. And this has been going on for a while now. Like 
battle other than get knocking down shots against Indiana, Wisconsin, like Thornton and Gale can't knock down shots. It can't take you 19 shots to get 19 points. Not if you're serious. Not if you're trying to, to contend in the Big Ten or you're trying to be a, a tournament team. That ain't it. You can't be that inefficient. They went 3 of 25 from 3. And the bench continues to shrink as only seven guys saw double-digit minutes yeah. in this one. And I thought so Royal I gave him good turn. minutes. I thought Royal gave him good minutes. Um, Bonner kind of gave him some good minutes with with what he did. Um, but, yeah, they obviously don't trust those guys. Seven minutes for Royal, nine for Middleton. They just they don't trust them. So they're going to roll with those guys heavy, and those guys are not knocking down shots, and it's three straight games of it. So they what do they play, Penn State Saturday? Saturday at noon. Yeah, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough spot Saturday at noon. And, um, and obviously you're, you're at a point now where it's almost like win the next three is the minimum requirement here. Um, because it's this thing, this season is, is sinking, unfortunately, pretty quickly. Um, there's going to be a new boss at Ohio State. And I got to tell you, this one came out of nowhere for me. Certainly. Uh, we'll get to what we know about who will potentially be the one pulling the strings at Ohio State from an athletic department standpoint coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The two most mature people working at the radio station. And that's just because they wear pants. The pervert and the skivvies. Rock men and ice. Weekdays at noon. The fa- For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Watch up. What's up, man? All right, here's what's up on a Tuesday. This actually started to trickle out right after we finished yesterday. Pete Thamel with the report. Um, that Ohio State is targeting and appears set to hire Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork to become the school's next athletic director. Um, the hiring process in the final stages, this is from family yesterday. Many others have corroborated this and, and said that this is where this is going to be. Um, I've seen reports from all over, including here locally, um, that the, this will be done in the next couple of days. Uh, now, Ross Bjork would arrive having just fired Texas A&M football coach Jimbo Fisher, who came at the cost of the highest buyout in school history. Texas A&M owes Fisher more than $75 million in full and guaranteed money. Bjork did not hire Fisher, but was the athletic director when the contract extension that led to the buyout was issued. That will be the albatross around his neck as he walks up here. That will be it. It will be that contract that he gave Jimbo Fisher, and it will be that extension and that buyout. That That is what he is most known for. Um, in terms of his history and his past, he has really never spent time in this part of the country. Um, he was an athletic director at Western Kentucky, and then he was at Ole Miss, and then he was at Texas A&M. Um, he's ultra smooth. He's really good on a mic. My guess is he's really good at plush, uh, pressing the flesh and um, kissing babies and all of the things that, that you need to do when you're the president of a university. It is also um, a hire that is, to me, a little bit surprising, borderly, borderline shocking from the standpoint of, I assumed that this would be somebody from Gene Smith's very elaborate tree that would be the next athletic director here. I, my thought was that it would be Pat Chun who is currently the uh, athletic director at Washington State. I knew Pat from his time when he was here under Gene, and it felt like he had done a very good job at Washington State, and it, it felt like that was kind of a natural. But I think one thing you're seeing um, from the powers that be at Ohio State is you're seeing a very different 
type of hire. And this isn't just Ross Bjork. This is also President Ted Carter in here as well. Just take a look at the lineage um, of what the, the previous leadership from a president standpoint has been at the university. So when I first got here, it's Gordon Gee. So he was there from 07 um, until until he made his comments that eventually got him moved. And then from there, it's, it's pretty much strict academia, right? Michael Drake uh, comes from UC Irvine and then Christina Johnson. Um, and those these were people who were came up in their careers entirely in academia. Well, Ted Carter's not that. He was the boss at the Naval Academy. He was a fighter pilot. And yeah, he ran the University of Nebraska's system, but he wasn't somebody who came up through academia. He was a guy who came up from a military background. So that's a very different change from the previous two hires. And I would say Bjork is probably the same. Uh, be very very candid with you. And I don't know how this is going to land around here. This is These are two very SEC hires. These are two, we're in big business football hires is what both of them are. That'll probably make a great many of you very happy. Um, but that's what the Ted Carter hire feels like to me. And that's absolutely what the Ross Bjork hire feels like to me. One of the things you can say, and you be very critical about a lot of the things at Texas A&M, um, but they were willing to put their money where their mouth was and get a line from a collective standpoint. And that's where we are in the sport right now. And Bjork was at the center of that. So to me, these hires are very different than the previous hires. In terms of the Bjork hire, I thought for sure it would come from the Gene Smith tree. It didn't. I think Pat was one of the people that they interviewed for the job um, before eventually, nothing official yet, but it sounds like it'll be Bjork. Um, this is big money, big football, um, red meat, potatoes, have a beer, enjoy yourself hires. Both of these guys are. This is different than the hires that they've made previously, both at, at, both from a presidential side and then also from an athletic director side. It was impossible not to note the differences in Ted Carter from the previous yes. two presidents for Ohio State. Even Gordon. Yeah, Josh, even, even way different. that far. But Gordon's academia the whole way. But when I heard this hire yesterday, that's when what you're saying kind of clicked for me. is like, okay, and just basically two weeks on the job, Ted Carter comes in and says, you know, our athletic department, what is it What is it missing that the other teams that are getting us, namely especially in football, what, it, what is different about these other places? And it, kind of looks like that they're going that direction that says, okay, we're going to be more like the conference that, while the Big Ten has been seen as one of the best conferences, the SEC has clearly been the best conference in college football over the last two decades, and I think that's where they want to get, which says a lot of things. Like you said, there are there are the positive ones that, that come with it, and maybe for some other people, these other things will be positives too, but the you know that, okay, they can get their ducks in a row and really get the NIL stuff moving, and can that help recruiting? Can So you can start from a better spot. But also, this is the guy who was, now Texas A&M's money situation is very different, but able to pull the trigger on a $75 million plus buyout yeah. on Jimbo Fisher, which is something that Gene Smith didn't really seem to do. He never really fired any of the big name head coaches he brought in a lot of head coaches and they seem like they seem like good hires but they maybe are just missing something and i think if they feel that they are just missing something this leadership with carter and now ross bjork as you know it's being reported that he's going to be athletic director i think we would see more more willingness to make coaching changes sooner rather than later from the ohio state athletic department going forward this is the same ross bjork that was also very chesty about Texas A&M being the only Texas school in the SEC. Yeah. Followed by a, well, no, no, now Texas is joining. Um, it's a, it's a very interesting, uh, like you guys have both said, change, like mindset change. What, what this represents. Yeah. The hiring of Bjork that I, I, I think is in line with the mindset change in college football.
It's almost, and that's what's the driver with this. Yeah, for it's sure. It's almost an ideological change yeah, from Ohio State. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Both for the entire athlete, for the entire school. Carter's an ideological change from what they had hired previously, the three previous hires, and Bjork is ideologically different. I mean, you think about Gene, and I think Gene's done a tremendous job here of building buildings and he's hired some good coaches and um and we talk so much about the money revenue generating sports, but it's the other he's made a lot of good hires on that side too. Um but if you think about if you think about what one thing we talk about this sometimes with whether it's women's basketball or baseball, um the SEC, the the attention that they pay to all of the sports to try to make them revenue generating and the standard that they hold all of the coaches. Do you think about like LSU and like what they did with women's basketball, right? You mm-hmm. think about like making money off of gymnastics, um, those type of things. Like that's that mindset. Um, Ohio, now, does that mean do you need 36 varsity sports or whatever they have? I mean, is that something that needs to be reevaluated as well? Is this is this time to have a total change in in thought process for how to run an athletic department. Can you have all the loss leaders that Ohio state has? If you're also trying to be elite at the sports that you pay most attention to, right? That's the thing like that, that will be the job for him. Um, and it's a fascinating one. There aren't any more buildings to build here. Um, at some point you're going to have to do something with the shoe in terms of making that a modern football facility the best you can with a historical landmark and the shot is what it is. I don't, you know, it's, I don't know what you do from that standpoint, but um, he's going to have some big time decisions. And I would say every coach up there is going to be on the clock now with this. Everybody's going to be under, you got new, entirely new leadership here. And I agree. I think it is a complete, that's kind of my point. I think it's complete ideological change from what they had done previously. And as you bring up how the SEC approaches their other sports and how they've tried to get there, they want to be the best at every sport that they participate in. The thing about Ohio State is they do stack up a lot of national championships. Jayla was just showing me a video that the dance team just won some sort of national championship over the weekend. She made me watch the dance routine. It was good. It was a great dance routine. I loved it. But is is that always worth it to make sure that you win men's synchronized swimming and that you are the best pistol team? Well, who are you actually competing? against and is it better to take those resources and put them into softball into women's basketball into well wrestling has been pretty good but you get with my point yeah, that baseball lacrosse i mean yes. the ones that are the in, near and dear and in, you know the ones that are closer to being revenue generated and actually compete at the top level of those sports and what is that going to take from the athletic department if they want to prioritize that um but it does seem like ross bjork is somebody who would be more likely to prioritize that rather than somebody from the gene smith tree and I also feel less and less sure that Gene, I, I, I don't know if it, it'll be Gene, but if a, a change is made from any of the head coaches in any of the sports between now and June when Gene steps down. Nothing will happen. You don't think? I, don't I didn't Gene's think so. Anybody. I didn't think He's so until anybody. yesterday. Then this Ross Bjork news. I don't think Gene's firing anybody. Um, and he's on until June. Right. So I, I, I don't sense that. I don't either. I think also Ross Bjork would probably want to come in and get a lay of the land and see for his own eyes how everything's performing. But next year? Everybody's feet are on the fire yeah. at that point. Um, yeah, it's a v- very different. Two, two hires at the top of the, at the university, at the president and athletic department, that are very different from previous hires that were, were made around here. And if you didn't notice it, 
Uh, hopefully now you have because, and I don't know that some of that's very, very good. Some of there could be some drawbacks as well. Uh, but these are very different stylistic hires than the ones that had previously been made around here. Um, it does seem like Jim Harbaugh is going to be the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, we will get into that and where that program sits and where it's going coming up next. Bishop and friends right here on the fan. We aim to punch you in the face with as many games as we can. You're home of the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, Crew, and Browns. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Not interested in Iowa football? Too bad. Shops will tell you about it anyway. This is Bishop and Friends. So major changes in the athletic department coming at Ohio State with the uh, presumptive hire of Ross Bjork, the Texas A&M athletic director, uh, coming up here. What will that mean ideologically? Who knows? Uh, big changes coming to the rival, I think we can all acknowledge as well. Jim Harbaugh officially met with the Chargers yesterday for their head coaching job. That This is always the one that made the most sense. Um, there's been reporting going back years about how much Harbaugh loved Justin Herbert and the connection he has having played for the Spanos family when they were in San Diego. Um, his familiar familiarity with Southern California and like of wanting to be back all of these things every box checks this is if you're Jim Harbaugh and you've been trying to get an NFL job really since the 2020 season um really after 2019 you're you've been trying to get an NFL job every single off season this is the, honestly he's put himself in a position where this is the best one that he ever could have been in the mix for is this one it's kind of ready made they they have cap issues for sure but if you have the quarterback you can build things around it so he interviewed there. My hunch is that that would be something that is done in short order. Um, so in conjunction with that, we had the news from our good buddy John U. Bacon, uh, who tweeted this last night. The Harbaugh-Michigan negotiations are at an impasse, at least for now. It isn't money, plenty there, but the clauses, what should be covered by immunity. Um, so in that regard, it has to do with, again, the four ongoing NCAA investigations and whatnot. He says, therein lies the rub. Stay tuned. Um, I don't think that Jim Harbaugh... Why would he want to stay? He's been trying to get an NFL job for all of this time. He beat Ohio State three straight years. He just won the national championship. This is the epitome of George Costanza when he was trying to leave every room in a, it, having given the great line. All right, then. See you later. I mean, that, you can't leave better than this, than how he's leaving it. So the notion that he would return to Michigan and back into that mess that they have from an NCAA standpoint, hell, he's got the president of the NCAA on the record saying Michigan's championship is legitimate. He's good. And he washes his hands. No J.J. McCarthy, no Corum, no Jenkins, no Harold. They're all gone. Like, why would he want to deal with a rebuild? And he doesn't have to sit there with the risk of whatever sanctions could come in, yeah. handicapping his program to the point where it goes back to not being good Michigan football. And he can always, you know, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain or you die a hero, that whole thing. Like, that's yeah. what he's doing. He gets to die a hero now and leave Michigan and, and go to the NFL. And the difference is and a great NFL, job. the NFL actually wants him this time. So yeah. he's not just interviewing as either a professional 
courtesy or a professional curiosity. This is teams really want Harbaugh. And yeah, the Chargers were the first ones to get their crack at him as an interview. And I think, yeah, that would be a great situation. Obviously, somebody who knows what, you know, has spent a lot of time in California in his coaching and even playing career as well. So he knows what he's doing there. You've got Justin Herbert, as you mentioned, somebody he's always been enamored with. It's already a good roster. It just felt like, man, they just had a bonehead coach the last few years Mm -hmm. who wasn't making it work for them. And I think Harbaugh has proven at both the NFL and in the college level that he can he can do this stuff. The It's interesting with the contract stuff from John U. Bacon. I wonder, is that because they really are hung up on these things? Or is Harbaugh using things to be hung up on to just keep pushing the contract? It's all until, an act. Yeah, until he can just take an NFL job. Everything since since that awkward national championship, I mean, since Saturday, it's, it's, it hadn't been that long, but that awkward national championship celebration in the Chrysler Center where Ward Manuel's up on stage telling him, hey, mm-hmm. I want to get a, a contract done with this man. And, you just keep adding like, but he does not want that contract. And he's sitting there and he's trying to look as gracious as possible. And Dan Wetzel's, you know, reporting like the Yahoo for Yahoo Sports that Harbaugh wants the language seeking him immunity from termination for any finding or sanction that could arise from the NCAA investigations. And it's all just an act. It's all That's him trying to preserve his image with Michigan on the way out the door. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I, I think that it's. Now, if he doesn't get an NFL offer, do I think he'd go back to Michigan? Yeah, I do. And I think he'd love to make $12 million a year and be the highest paid coach in college football and have those immunities. But I do think he's going to get an NFL offer. There's There are so many jobs open right seven, now. He could get all any of them. There's seven now, and Philly and Dallas could be open, too. <laughs> They're going to fire Nick Sirianni. You could have nine. <laughs> you have nine job open. I mean, hell, Pittsburgh could be open. You saw. T- we'll get to that in just a second. Like, there are... There are at least going to be there's seven for sure. There could be. It feels like for sure there's going to be eight with the Cowboys and and maybe nine with the Eagles. So he's going to land in one of those places. This is the this is the right landing spot for him by far. And this is where he wants to be the most. It's the best situation he could ever land into. Um, for our vantage point, what Michigan does next is going to be fascinating. Um, because a miss here, as they themselves can attest to, and you can go into abyss quickly. Um, so I know that people think it'll be Sharon Moore that he'll be that they'll elevate him. He was great from an interim standpoint, but can you go from never having done it? I mean, we did it here with Ryan, and it's worked out pretty well. But it's a tough thing to to jump in on a moving treadmill, and especially with the mess that's going on off the field there. Um, and it's so late in the cycle now. We're January 16th. And remember, if, if Harbaugh does leave, that Michigan roster will be in the same position Alabama's in. Yeah, they'll have, can be poached for 30 days. Those guys yeah. will have a new window to jump in the transport. I also saw they lost a 2024 commit. A four-star cornerback has already decommitted, maybe just... Seeing that, yeah, it doesn't look like Harbaugh is going to be back. And so while you bring up the Ryan Day situation at Ohio State, this wouldn't be quite the same passing off. It doesn't feel like Ryan Day got a really ready-made roster. Plus, the last thing Urban Meyer did was a very nice gift of taking Justin Fields to a basketball game and delivering him to the roster. I don't think Michigan's going to be in an opportunity to do that because of how late in the cycle it is. That this would be not even a rebuilding year, but just let's try to keep it let's try to keep it on the rails type year. And then we can rebuild in the first year. This would not really be the first year of whoever is the next head coach. You almost can't even hold them to that, but that doesn't mean that the year is going to look any better or worse from that schedule. It's really tough. 
They've got what? They got USC. Oregon, they've got Washington. They play they have three USC, of them, yeah. Oregon, Washington, and Texas, and at Ohio and State. Ohio State and Penn State. Six monsters. And who's quarterbacking them? Who's leading them? I mean, no one here is going to cry over any of it because they've had plenty of success. But you're walking into a tough spot. And Harbaugh knows that, too. He knows what's coming, right? Let alone what's going to come from an NCAA perspective and the type of trouble that could come there. So, no, I, I assume that he that this is going to get done with the Chargers quickly. I think this feels like this was preordained before this whole process started, and I think he's just soft-pedaling these negotiations to get to that point. Um, but they're, they're going to be in for major changes up there in a, in a very, very big way. Second hour of the program coming up next. The Real Truth leads it off. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station. The Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Taking the art of sports radio and day drinking to a whole new level. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Uh, before we get to the real truth, uh, a couple of things. Uh, one of you mentioned this yesterday. It could have been Reese with the Jerry Krause booing over the weekend. Uh, Chops, I don't think you... Yeah, it was Reese. You did it yesterday um, with the, the Bulls fans booing Jerry Krause going into the Ring of Honor. And um, To me, I was very adamant that that was an organizational failure um, for dis- deciding to do that and not let it be known that his widow would be there. Would it have been different had they known? Yeah, I do think it wouldn't have been quite as specific quite as vicious a booing had they known his widow was going to be there and then they put her on the screen Don't show her on the camera which just made it worse like who even had a point of reference of who she was like if you watch it it's like an image of jerry Krause, and then it's his his widow and it's like she's it's awful it's a terrible and it's thing like they can't make up the decision to pull away from her or not no. and it's clear to me clear to get off that it's clear to me to get the go away from her. Yes. But it's also, at least in my opinion, they were using her to get them to stop booing. Too late. You should have done it. Be- you should have let people know beforehand that she was going to be in attendance. So stupid. So that they would know that's and have some thing. sense about it. Um, so that's it. So that's just a, a total failure. And then the other thing I saw over the weekend was Kelly Stafford um, uh, taking her kids back, the three little girls, to watch Matthew Stafford play in Detroit. And Stafford was booed. And she said that people were very rude to her and her children. What did you think was going to happen? It's a playoff game, right? He asked for a trade. He's playing them. He's an opponent. Like, why would you think you live there? You know how seriously they take it. You know how desperate these northern cities in the winter with football. Come on. You we know northerners are harsh go. people. We are this time of year. Like, to me, like, why take them? And they had like, they had like, you know, jackets on that said Detroit born and LA raised or whatever. And I'm just thinking like, that does not land with that Joe Ford plant <laughs> worker, man. Like, that's not going to get the job done. Of course you are going to be booed, and of course Stafford is going to be booed. It doesn't mean they don't love him and aren't appreciative of everything that he did and how hard he fought and the guts and all of it. It's a playoff game, man. Like, you have to have some sense. The, the, the Bulls fail as an organization not letting their fans know that the widow was going to be there. 
And Kelly Stafford should have known better living in, and then to complain about it, I just thought was hollow. Well, because it's, yeah, it's the opposite. Like the, Stafford's playing in the game. Like he is there. Yes, like it's he's not the a opponent. Situ- it's not the the same situation where it's like, oh, don't don't put her through that. It's like they're playing a football game. Of course, the the fans are going to boo them. And if yeah, if there's anything like way too vitriolic and anything directed like to Kelly Stafford or the children, that's obviously a line too far. But as far as just but booing you know because it's, it's Matthew Stafford, like it's just going to be part of it. And that's the the fun sports related hate is sometimes the fun part of sports. It, that stuff helps make the games more meaningful and everybody can have a good time with it. It's when you there are lines that people step over. But as far as that goes, booing Stafford, that's one. Yeah, like you said, you should expect that. And two, it's part of it. it that's where we're at. <laughs> I wonder if for, you know, Mrs. Stafford's perspective, she didn't care. I just don't know how you I can. She thought I don't know how you can like, not. I guess that's a, a severe lack of awareness that I would. Yeah, that it's almost it's it's kind of shocking. I guess I probably shouldn't be surprised at people when they have just a complete brain fart like that. I think she thought it would be like first time back, heroes welcome, play a video. But it's it's the postseason. Yeah, just was never going to be like that. And he asked out. He's going to take something from Detroit. He's going to ex- just the yeah. whole thing. Like he's looking to extend your thirty-year playoff drought. Like he's yeah. looking to take he's that joy opponent. from you. I, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't get the thing with like honoring former players in in contest. If yeah. if he's coming back as a former player that doesn't play anymore, but if he's coming back to take something from you, then no honor later. Yeah, and thank later. I think that you know just a. I think it's it's honestly to to think that fans aren't going to be fanatical or rational. You know, they're not going to be rational. They're going to be fanatical. They're what's fan they, short for? That's right. Um, and you're talking about a team that was trying to win its first playoff game in 32 years. Like it was going to be a desperate situation, uh, regardless. So uh, sometimes it's just you got to think things through a little bit. Let's hit the real truth. Bishop and friends present the real truth. First one up on this Tuesday. This is the most talented returning OSU roster since 2015. Is that the real truth? Would it be... So the, it's this or 20, right? But 20, you're replacing... Uh, you're, so you still have Fields, but you're replacing Young and Dobbins. Yeah. Right? The receivers are still young. You're still all there with from a receiver standpoint, you would... It feels like it is the real truth to me. Um, the the difference is is we knew what Justin Fields was in twenty, and we don't know what Will Howard is. Absolutely, so that's kind of the only thing that gives me a little bit of hesitation. I do think top to bottom it is. I mean, is we're we're returning nine to twelve starters on a defense that was pretty good. A um, lot of skill across the board. Obviously, lose Marv. Um, but it really cut you the best running back room, obviously, when you think about the additions. Um, it feels like this probably is the real truth with just the one caveat of Howard. It's just the kind of the unknown. It was the first thought I had when all the guys came back, when the final two and JT Tui Moloau and Travion Henderson decided that sure. they were also joining that group of players and coming back. When I saw that on Friday, I was just like, okay, so this is going to rival that 2015 roster as far as how good it is now. As far as rivaling, like that's where like the distinction I think will be made because there were so many draft picks 
on that 2015 roster. I don't think there's as many first-rounders on this one, but the year could prove me wrong, and they could work their way up and do it. That's part of the reason that you come back uh, on an Ohio State team like this. But I think, yeah, as far as like what we think that this team can be when they put it all together and all these guys are out on the field next year for Ohio State, it has that feeling of 2015, but you're not dealing with the, the weird quarterback situation either. But again, it does hinge on the quarterback that you did bring in hitting as well. He's got a hit. Yeah. I guess there was a, albeit weirder quarterback question going into 15. So this oh kind, God, this kind so of fits. Awkward. But yes, this is the most talented since that 14 became 15. Does 22 get enough for that? Well, I mean, uh, now that we know what we know about Stroud. <laughs> yeah, but we like, never saw it with so fruition thing, with Jackson like, Smith and Jigba and... Right, but it was he was returning. We with, and now Marv. now with Stroud and what we know with him being him, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, if we can ask answer the question about Will Howard John this Jones, time next Whippler. year, we can safely say yes. But did twenty Curtis Johnson like, did twenty twenty two make you happy about the uh, the defense at all? By the end of the year, we had seen the defense improve, but at yeah. the beginning of the year, it's not like we, you know Jim Knowles coming in had us excited, but it's not like we Trying had a bunch of guys time. circled on that side of the ball that were like, good thing they came back. I'm just trying to think over the last couple of years, like, you know, instant impact NFL on the defense. Probably not. Stroud's the tide that raises all of those boats. Yeah. Yeah. Offensively, it's probably the best offense, probably the best returning offense you've ever, that you've had, 2022. Yeah. Coming into the, the, Coming the second in year. Before the injury of Jackson, like Jackson and Marvin and Emeka and second and year the, of Trayvon after line. a great freshman year. Yeah. yeah the, the offensive line with Whipler and Jones and. Johnson. I mean, that's pretty legit. Next one up. Kalen DeBoer will win a national championship at Alabama. Is that the real truth? Well, the, 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 the feeling would be that he would not because it's just really tough to do that. Um, but um, I'm going to say that he will uh, win a national championship at Alabama. Um, I think you've got He's basically going to have. I think he's a damn good coach. I think he wins everywhere he's gone. I think the notion that you have, they have everything kind of set up for him to have success if he can retain a lot of this roster. And by the way, one of the reasons I want to talk about this, it is absolute bull junk, the position that these guys are in. So his roster can be rated right now. The Alabama roster can be rated for the next 30, well, now the next 20 some days. They have no way to even replace it. Until there's a, the only people they could replace it with is the Washington roster. Until the Michigan roster becomes poachable, or the so kids like, that are still stuck in the portal already. Right, like it's crazy the way that we're operating. This is the middle of January, and you have quote student athletes who can switch schools at any moment over the next twenty some days. This is wild time, so that sucks. But I do believe in him. I think it's a good hire. I, he's my. Landing probably would have been the number one, um, but I think their infrastructure is in a get great place, and I think he'll recruit at a high level. I, I think that there's a decent – obviously the odds would say no, but I, I do believe in him. I think he's legit. Why have a deadline on the transfer portal when it can just be reopened for certain instances right. across the board, and we've already seen that throughout this entire offseason or really right at the end of bowl season into what is now truly the offseason. But as far as Kalen DeBoer winning a championship at Alabama, somebody has to win it every year, and Alabama is going to be in a really good spot to keep on doing that. It depends on yeah what he gets his roster here this year, but I do think that there's a better chance for him to win it sooner rather than later if he's going to do it. I mean, really, all it's going to take is can you beat Georgia in a given year, get that bye out of the SEC championship, and take that, and then you got to win three games in there. They they just made it through the, the semifinal in the, in the four-team playoff, and they're going to have presumably more talent year in and year out on an Alabama 
roster. So I think it is going to happen because somebody has to win it, and Alabama is still going to be one of those teams on the short list at the beginning of most seasons until Kalen DeBoer and his leadership proves otherwise to me. Remember in 2020, Indiana had that really good defense? Yes, yeah, it's funny. And we wondered, like, when the defensive coordinator there, Kane Womack, just went to South Alabama, and then after yep. that, things fell apart for the Hoosiers. Well, South Alabama is confirming the resignation of head coach Kane Womack, yep. who's set to take the D.C. job at Alabama. And we already know DeBoer is bringing his O.C. from Washington with him. So they're kind of getting the band back together, and they've already shown uh, a pretty good use of the transfer portal. Plus, you've got the doors that Alabama can get you in that Washington just couldn't in the South. They're winning a national title. It might not be in the next couple of years, but while DeBoer's there, I'm very confident that's the real truth. How about the fact that the the Indiana offense and defensive coordinators now run Alabama? Tom Allen, that? what are you doing? Tom like Allen. in 2020, they that's so, they're the, that's the jobs they have. So the offense and, and defensive coordinators are now running Alabama, and yeah. the quarterback was the Heisman runner-up. Yep. Good and the head coach gets fired. At, at Penn State doing something. Jeez. Caleb Williams will be the Bears' starting quarterback in 2024, and the Bears will get a first-round pick for Justin Fields. Is that the real truth? The, the reason I wanted to talk about this is you saw that they interviewed Greg Roman for the offensive coordinator job in Chicago. Greg Roman uh, was the offensive coordinator when Kaepernick was really good with the 49ers. He was the offensive coordinator at the start of Lamar Jackson's run in Baltimore. And that hire gave me pause to think maybe they wouldn't draft Caleb Williams number one overall. And maybe, in fact, they would roll with Justin Fields and then calmer minds prevailed. And yes, the first part of this is the real truth. They're going to draft Caleb Williams number one overall. The second part of this I don't think will be the real truth. I think it's going to be two twos for Fields. Uh, probably a two this year and a two next year is what the, the price will be to get Justin Fields. I don't think it will be a point where there's a bidding war for a one because it's really going to come down to just Atlanta. Um, it's not going to be Denver. It's it's really going to come down to Atlanta, I think, and maybe Vegas for Fields. Those seem to be the two spots, depending on what Vegas does from a coaching hire standpoint. So I, I don't think it's going to be like a five-team bidding war for him. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get a one either. Remember, Fields wasn't even a top five pick. He was 16th or something like that. So then to turn around, with he's shown that he is capable, for sure, of being on an NFL field. But it's not like yeah. you see Justin Fields is like, oh, this is going to be a franchise changer. So no, I don't think they'll get the first uh, round pick for him. But it does feel like they're going to draft Caleb Williams. I just can't see a team two years in a row saying, now we're going to stick with this guy we drafted a few years ago who's been good, not great, instead of taking a quarterback number one overall because they had that opportunity last year and they traded it. I don't think they're going to do it again. If you're the Bears, do you even ask for a one? Like, is that where yeah. you start? I mean, you, you, you kind of have to yeah. just because he was a, a first pick, but it is, you know, the real... Uh, man, the Caleb, Caleb Williams thing. It's like, well, don't, sir. Just go back to U.S. Well, he can't now. He's already declared. Yeah. Like, don't, well, don't see go the to false Chicago. report over the weekend? Somebody got fooled again? I think the USA the Today got yeah. fooled by Jalen Milrow. Yeah, right. Ooh. USA Today got got by that, and then a bunch of people got fooled by that story Friday with, I almost did, uh, on the Caleb Williams story Friday, that he was going to, he would not declare for, for the draft unless he had assurances that, that the Bears would not take him. Um, Don't go to Chicago, Caleb. So that is officially a fake that's, report. That's fake report. It was a, but it was a blue, blue check, check mark 
because now mm. that's lawless. So there's mm. no way to verify anything. It's a it's brutal out there, man. Yeah, he'll start um, for him. <laughs> it's not going to go other, well. Here's the other thing for him. There, I mean, he's he's going to go into a pretty ready made situation. Like they're going to have a ton of talent. They could get a Duzier with their. They have the ninth like, pick they too. Sh- it should go well, right? Like it should go well. Everything yeah. tells you it should, but the yeah. Bears haven't. Effort. Well, they didn't fire Eberflus either, which is crazy. Like when you start over, well, so new coach, was the scapegoat, right? Just crazy. Like run it back with that guy. The other reason this is going to happen is it resets the clock on the quarterback position for the Bears. That's the other huge thing. They don't have to make a tough decision on on um, on Justin on his contract. So that's the other huge thing. Real quick, chops. Go I ahead. was just going to say. Now that you say that, I remember reading in one of the reports talking about that idea that Caleb Williams wanted team ownership. And apparently the NFL has a rule that you can't promise equity to non-family members when you bring them in as employees. No. It's not right. part of it. You no, have to buy into not. an NFL team. You can't just get equity. Another team that was potentially out there for fields is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Could there be new leadership there as well? But so a lot of coaches hire, fire, interviewing a crazy situation in Atlanta yesterday. We'll get to that coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. We're known for three things. Games, conversation, and common man yelling about things only he cares about. The Fan, Ohio's sports desk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sports conversation that's worthy of a toast or at least a stiff drink. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Hey guys, it's Chops, and uh, last week I recognized that I had made a difference. No, it wasn't saving a puppy from a well or pulling an old lady out of a burning building. Remarkable as those would have been, uh, this one was pretty cool, too. I saw Austin Ward, who we talked to every Monday on this show, reach his goal of dropping 50 pounds thanks to Awaken 180 weight loss. Why was it cool? Because he thanked me for introducing him to Awaken 180. I not only was able to watch him have the same transformation I had, but knowing I had a part in helping someone make a 180 with their life inspires me to continue sharing my story and i love to hear them if you too made the easy step of calling awaken 180 let me know you can shoot me a dm if you have questions about it you can also hit me up on twitter at chops 971 awaken 180 is the real deal and i'd recommend them to anyone call awaken 180 at 844-346-1800 that's 844-346-1800 or schedule your consultation online at awaken 180 weightloss.com i just saw karen Culkin won best actor emmy for succession makes sense he won the golden globe did he win that too mm-hmm. so he beat the other two beat cox who was going for it because cox had never won yeah but he only had half a season but he only had half the season um beat him and beat uh jeremy, jeremy strong. strong yeah wow but that's he's great the eldest he's not the eldest boy <laughs> he's not the eldest boy you're not God, that was great. That and the bear one, right? Bear cleaned up all the guys, all the uh, the, Better, people, the leads in the bear one, and then Better uh, Call Saul. Succession, fifty three nominations over the technically it's six seasons, but it was seven because they split up the last yeah. season. Fifty three nominations over that about seven year run, zero Emmy wins. I wonder if that is a because Breaking Bad crushed at the Emmys. Yeah, like oftentimes beating Mad Men and beating other shows that were kind of on the level of that. Uh, I wonder if it's just 
a little bit of that. Like just you won so much for the previous series, sometimes, even though it's totally different and different people. Sometimes it's a weird thing for the Emmys, though, where they just won't give out. Like somebody was listing The Wire. I've always paid attention. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Has never. I don't even think they've even gotten nominated for. Well, they were there yesterday. McElhaney was there. I saw because he was streaming the Eagles game. Well, but was he there for something else? Could have been Wrexham Wrexham and stuff like that. I don't. I might have been. I feel like I would have heard it. They've been nominated. I know they have not won. His the his wife has been nominated for. She has. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Caitlin Olson. I I feel very pretty certain about that. Seinfeld didn't win much either, and it you know that's landmark, Mm -hmm. and it didn't win much. Frazier won all the time, so. You know they do strange things at the Emmys, but that's uh, that's a good job. Go ahead. What do I you know. I, well, I just saw that I didn't pay a lick of attention to whichever award show was last night, but I did see on my timeline Brian Cox say he'd be open to a succession movie if it was good enough. And then I saw him comment when he was on the red carpet, like I, I I've had this theory, maybe he's not dead, or I could come back as a ghost. <laughs> I just think if you're Let Brian, Brian Cox, Cox right, the succession yes, movie, yeah. he comes back as a ghost and he just haunts the kids. If you're Brian Cox and you've had like this distinguished, really, really good career as like a you know, a character actor, and then never like a lead, but like always in the mix, and then you get to do this, like how much fun that had to be the most fun he's ever had to finally be the guy, yeah. to be like the dude, yeah. and like I think it was a lot like West Wing, where I don't know that they thought for sure that that when they wrote the original West Wing. The Martin, the president wasn't necessarily the focal point. And then they landed Martin Sheen and it became the focal point. And I think the same thing probably happened on succession. Like they didn't, when you start out, it's not a Brian Cox story. It's a Jeremy Strong. It's the kids, but then he's so good that they navigated to that is, is probably the way that it went. Um, the crazy thing, this was a Brooke Pryor who we've had on the show covers, uh, the Steelers for ESPN post game press conference yesterday. Here's the, here's the setup for this. Mike Tomlin has one year remaining on his contract. Um, there, it's crazy to me that this is true, but apparently a lot of people in Pittsburgh want a change in direction at the top, which is nuts to me that they would. He's never had a losing record. Like it's crazy. Um, you're not entitled to a Super Bowl every five years. Ask Dallas. Ask anybody who's chasing him. It's really hard. Um, he's got one and, and the idea is that, that potentially they want to change in direction there. So Brooke Pryor post game after the loss of the Bills. Here's how it went down. You can hear the door clicking as they open it for him to walk right out of the room. He does not have a friendly look on his face the entire time either. It's not like this question finally soured him, but it was enough for him to finally say, I'm done. I think it's a fair question to be asked at that point. Now, the way that it works, you have him post game and then they'll have him today in Pittsburgh. So, I guess the argument to me saying it's fair is you're going to get him tomorrow and and you could do it, or, which is now today. You could do it today because there's always a season-ending presser that will happen. It'll happen at their facility. Um, so, But I do think it's a fair space to ask that question. I mean, we're all professionals. That's a fair question because they have – I mean, we'll get to the Browns and their off-season questions. they got a lot of them. There's a lot of them in Pittsburgh too. It's a really good roster. Um, but you had – you know, some, some meltdowns from George Pickens as the season went along. Um, and you have a major quarterback issue and a major offensive football issue as well that has to get sorted out. That could be one higher if you hire a head coach who's also an offensive mind, um, which is something they've never done. So there, there's a lot going on there this offseason. And I do think the, I don't have a problem with the question. Yeah. And I think, I mean, from a Pittsburgh fan standpoint, I just wonder if, 
these years where it's, you know, oh, it's miraculous that Mike Tomlin with this roster was able to get to nine and eight, but that's not really the way that the NFL is hamstrung the same way. Cause we talk about that a lot with college programs that like a man's got to know his limitations. But if you're a fan of the Steelers, they've, they got one for the thumb. They've got five Super Bowls. They know what they're, what they're doing out there. And I don't so think that six, the, the, yeah, they're right. They do. The, the six. Tomlin one was the six. The one for the thumb yeah. was Super Bowl 40. Was, was you're right. Power, yeah. So they have six. They know that they can get to that upper echelon, and they see that, for whatever reason, Mike Tomlin's not able to get them there. But it's not his fault, always, that they don't have the quarterback situation figured out. He's not the GM on the team. But I could see as just seeing it as, this is getting stale. Let's just go our separate ways and and see if we can both improve on it. Because Tomlin's young enough that obviously he's going to have another job. There's not going to be questions about him retiring. He'd be employed for 10 minutes. The Joe Burrow effect as well. Where Good he comes point. in and he, it's just year one and it's nonstop for him as long as he's been healthy. And that I think exacerbates a lot for Pittsburgh, a lot for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You obviously saw with the Deshaun Watson 320 million thing. That was the, the Joe Burrow effect. Similarly in Pittsburgh, where you have all of this winning, Burrow comes in, completely changes Cincinnati's fortune, makes their window a lot shorter or it opens it for a lot longer of a time. And Pittsburgh, sure, they're able to win with defense, but they're not able to take that next step getting out of the first round of the playoffs because they don't have a quarterback. And they see the other teams around them in the AFC North and even in the AFC putting a a premium on a quarterback, and they can't even get one that's properly suited for an entire year. And under Tomlin, they'll never play bad enough to get their opportunity to draft a Joe Burrow. No, you'll have to stumble into somebody. Now you can do that. Jalen Hurts is a second round pick and you know, you can you can stumble into somebody. Um I, I think it's hard to hold him accountable when he doesn't draft the players and he doesn't draft the quarterbacks. There's never an issue with Pittsburgh playing hard. They always play good defense, they always play hard, they always compete, even when there's no real reason to. They've botched quarterback post Roethlisberger. Like that's the reality. Because it ain't Pickens, it's not Rudolph, it's not Trubisky. So they're gonna have to find another way there. And, and so whoever they, if they do move off of Tomlin, which I don't think they will, but if they do, you have to see another, you have to see a change at quarterback. You can't run this operation back. And that's the, that's got to be the jumping off point. I also think keeping Matt Canada around two years too long probably was, yep. I think just again, heated the seat a lot more than yeah. realistically. Uh, real quick, um, the funny tweet the, from the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons have, have concluded this interview with Bill Belichick to be the head coach. Just great. Like the the idea that like he's not interviewing them. Are they required like, to do that? They, or is they must be, did it with Harbaugh yesterday. It's yeah, the dumbest they are. thing. I think they are. I think that's what the league is having them do is putting it out on their social. I don't understand it, but I yeah, guess I it's better than people trying to track flights and pretend I saw this guy in Atlanta today, which yeah. is what we do in college. Right. Uh, Tuesdays with DeBerry coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The Chris Holdman Daily Show is brought to you locally on The Fan by Credit Union of Ohio. This is the Chris Oldman Daily Show, brought to you by Encova Insurance. Michigan with a victory, 73-65 here in Ann Arbor over Ohio State. Disappointing, certainly, but you had to like the way your team certainly put the effort in to come from behind by double digits to get back in a position to have a lead. Yeah, no, I thought our guys showed good fight throughout the second half, for sure. Yeah, for sure. We, um, <clears throat> we just have to do some things better, obviously, but... Uh, you know, they showed great fight there. Coach, when you look at uh, down the stretch, uh, your team was in a great position, fought back 
up by four, had a great opportunity, great uh, drive there, and uh, point-blank range, missed the layup, and then down by four, got the ball in the hands of Roddy Gale. It's just one of those things where the ball just didn't go in when you really had it set up pretty nicely there. Yeah, yeah, we were trying to attack the matchup there, particularly with Roddy on on the little guard. I thought he was able to get to his left shoulder, uh, right hand, and, uh, you know, that was a really clean look right at the basket there. So, um, all in all, yeah, I thought, you know, you look at those plays, and, and those aren't ever the plays really that get you beat. It's the stuff that happens throughout, but certainly didn't have fault with those two looks, um, you know, there when it was a, a two- or a four-point game. All right, we'll have another comment in just a moment. Hi, I'm Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. The right coverage can be a game-changer both on and off the field. That's why Encova Insurance and their local independent agents are prepared for what's next and protect what matters most to you. Whether that's your home, car, business, or family, Encova's got your back with a policy that fits you perfectly. With local independent agents in your neighborhood and innovative insurance products that can be tailored to fit your unique needs, Encova's playbook is an easy win for your peace of mind. You can trust their team of agents to develop a strategy that's just right for you. And it's not just X's and O's. Your expert agent will guide you and provide insurance solutions so you can confidently manage your risk and count on a financially secure future. Bottle home and business insurance, you want Encova on your team. Visit Encova.com today to find an agent near you. Encova is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Bucks! 73-65, Michigan defeats Ohio State. Coach, uh, it's so difficult to get wins on the road, but now you, you have to deal with injuries. How did that impact your game plan and your rotations for this contest against Michigan? Yeah, we didn't really know right up until tip if Roddy or, or um, Scotty was going to play, but you know, I thought Roddy gave us good effort right now. I thought he played to his strengths a little bit better today. Um, I thought he did some really good things, and he battled you know, uh, uh, an ankle injury that you know his, his ankle was blown up the last couple days you know it was it was not uh you know you could tell it was certainly something that that he was going to have to fight through but he's he's a tough kid and he really fought through and and was hungry to play and i thought he did some really good things it's the ohio state sports network from learfield is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun, casual joint with their award-winning waitstaff, great food, fun, and laughter. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind or grab a carryout. Roosters is where you, your family, and friends can order pizza, sandwiches, salads, and more. And the home of award-winning wings that are fresh, never frozen. It's your family's other dinner table. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Bishop and Friends present Tuesdays with Taberry. Sponsored by Sears Heating and Cooling. Family owned since 1950. All right, it's a Tuesday. Time for our weekly visit with Uncle Dom. You're right. I, I was watching some episodes from uh, season five. Yeah, the correct answer is Phil Leotardo. He's awful. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's awful. terrible. He yeah. was, he's not a... He he hated Tony, and he was always scheming, always scheming. Yeah, what, I, I just watched the episode. The face he made that one time. He was just like he he just made that face. He had that face. Yeah, yeah he was. It didn't end well for him at the gas no. station. No, no, in front of his grandchildren. God forbid. Did not <laughs> yeah. end well. No, oh. no, did not. No, it was a bad deal. Hey, what do you uh, this Ross Bjork news that? trickled out yesterday in the afternoon and and looks like you're just waiting for it to be uh, finalized um, a very different hire and coinciding with a president hire that's very different than previous president hires um, what do you make and, and what can you kind of glean from from Bjork and and then potentially also Carter in terms of where this university and its athletic department's going to go well I mean in conversations that I've seen uh, with the new president, you know, obviously his big thing is, you know, it's kind of the Wild West, what uh, the uh, NIL and college football has become. And sure. I think that this, you know, that Bjork, if you look at his track history, I mean, you know, obviously uh, you, you got the largest athletic department in the country with Ohio State. But, you know, the football program leads the charge. And you look at what he was able to do at Texas A&M. I mean, they embraced the NIL from the get-go. Um, you know, I remember some of the things. There was that feud between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher yep. when NIL first came in. And, you know, uh, this guy obviously uh, had an understanding of what the NIL and collectives and what everything could be. So I think there's, you know, I, I think that is a big part of this. Um, but you're, you're right. This guy's from Dodge City, uh, Kansas. Yeah. He has no ties to Ohio State. There were other people that were interviewed, uh, Pat Chun, who a lot of people thought might have the yep. inside track, who, you know, is, is a, would have been a legacy hire, a guy who was, you know, under Gene Smith, was at Ohio State. But uh, clearly, I think this new president is, uh, is going to uh, – is going to uh, do what he thinks is right and whatever. And so I, I but, but I, I think the, the, his, his knowledge of the NIL and where college football is heading, which I think we're witnessing the professionalism of the sport. I think yeah. that this guy can uh, figure in. And I think that's uh, maybe the, the main reason they're looking at him. I mean, yeah, he's, a, I, he's, a, he's, a, he's done. He does a good job fundraising. Done a good job fundraising. Oh, for sure. I mean, I I don't know if he would have been. It probably wouldn't have been him who would have over. No, because he got there. He was at Ole Miss until eighteen, so he he wouldn't have overseen like the incredible expansion of the football facilities at A and M that was in place before he started there. But if you think about when you're athletic director, you really have two things that that you're that are on your resume. Can you build buildings, and then do you hire? football and men's basketball coaches well that's really what you're those are the things that you're going to be remembered for um and there's so many buildings are built i i was saying earlier buddy like the only thing i could think of is like 
if there is ever going to be a major renovation of Ohio Stadium, which I think we all know is is long past overdue, um, but it's a tricky one because it's a historical landmark. There's, and then he will have these coaching. He will have Ryan Day, Coach Holtman. Those will be the things that he will be monitoring and on the clock for right away. Well, that and you know, I feel like they want to get someone that can help them usher in what is really going to become the professionalism of. of you know, big time college football. Yeah. And he has a, he had an yeah. understanding at NIL. Who knows where this NIL ends? I mean, you know, you look at these collectives, some are 501c3 still, some are just sure. uh, for profit. And, uh, you know, in, I heard the president in an interview say it is the Wild West. He's absolutely correct. I don't know where it ends. I don't think anyone knows where it ends. You know, some people are saying they hope the government gets involved. Do you really want the government involved in college football? I mean, my goodness, look at uh, look at how uh, everything else has been handled. Do we really want to balance the budget before you start telling, uh, you know, college football what to do? But Yeah, they can't do it. I mean, it's just, uh, but it's like the NCAA has had its head in the sand. And I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. I heard you earlier talking about what's going to happen with Michigan. We're going to see if the NCAA has any teeth or if they're just a paper tiger. Um, they're not going to do anything to Michigan. I don't, I, and, I think, and I think that's what I'm thinking. But everyone keeps saying, oh, wait, we'll see what happens okay. when the other shoe drops and when they do this. I, I think the, the days of the NCAA being able to hammer schools and whatever, I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, I agree. I, I suppose it's appropriate if we we're using the Wild West analogy that you hire a guy from Dodge City. Because, of course, Wyatt Earp made <laughs> his bones in Dodge City. Um, who is your favorite uh, lawman of all time? Who's your favorite cop of all time? Favorite cop? Yeah, I, like I lawman. Like Columbo. Do you remember Columbo? Yeah, I remember Columbo. <laughs> I kind of yeah. enjoyed Columbo. It's a good guy. I liked him, and I and I liked uh, and I liked uh, what was Telly Savalas? What was he? He was eating the oh lollipop. My God. Always uh, that guy was great. Was, uh, remember him? I can. Well, yeah. Was Who did he play? He was uh, Kojak. Kojak. Yeah. He was yeah. out there tracking yeah. things down at the lollipop. He was out there. Yeah, he was out there. Yeah, hey baby, you know all that. <laughs> he, he was. And he wore those cool pants, you know. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, that was. Uh, those were two of my favorites, you know. And Matt Dillon, how do you not like Matt Dillon? Well, he was on for like forty years. Matt Dillon was on. Yeah, with, Gunsmoke. Yeah, yeah Gunsmoke yeah. was did on. Did you forever. watch? Uh, did you watch Young and Restless yet? Uh so <laughs> after our conversation last week, I did get into what's what's the guy's name? Tucker McCall. This is the guy that yeah, you're, I told you. You, he you just, got your bones. He just, he, yeah, I I don't like the guy, but sure. he's a great actor, but he's just yeah. he plays a great jerk, doesn't he? He does. Now, I was concerned in the one in the 20 minutes that I watched an episode Victor Newman didn't show up. And I don't like any Young and the Restless without Victor Newman. So that was disappointing. I know. I need him in every probably every other scene, but he's got to be about 90 now, right? He's got to be. He's been well, doing it forever. He's he Well, the other day they had him, he was hitting the heavy bag. He was punching it. Him really? Nick, still? His son, Nick. You know, Nick is still sure. on the show. Nick would just soon fight you as talk to you. Just, you know, he comes up and uh, he'll he'll just punch you. That's the way Nick says hi. But, uh, yeah, he's got a lot of issues. Nicky's uh, got, got, got off the wagon. Okay. Some woman came out of their, uh, some woman came out of their background and uh, they started uh, pumping alcohol 
into Nikki, and Nikki is now all messed up. She's, oh, she's good. drinking again, and it's oh, just Oh, God awful. forbid. He can't have that. Hey, some how's woman, the... Some, like a devil woman came out of, of nowhere. That happens. You know, you got to sort through those yeah. things. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this one. How's the pup handling the cold? Let me just tell you about this dog. We got it straightened around. We, uh, I've, I'm doing things I've never done before. Sure. Um, and uh, we had an issue with uh, going to the potty. Yep. And uh, we had a bacterial whatever. And yep. so we, yeah, but, uh, but uh, I can tell you that uh, we're, we're back to normal now and we're on probiotics. Okay. And uh, yeah, and uh, special, special diet. But the dog is smart. The dog is uh, now three months old. Yep. And she knows to sit. If I say sit, she sits and she yep. looks at me. Yep. The problem is she's biting everything. She's yeah. a biter. But sure. I mean, that's what babies do. She's a yeah. baby. Yep. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, you're good. It's all good. right. I mean, yeah. Other than that, oh, she loves going out in the cold. I put her out. You know, in three in the morning, four in the morning, when she starts crying, you put her out, and then she runs the neighborhood. And I'm like, like an idiot. I don't have her on a leash. I'm just thinking yeah. she's. And I'm going in neighbors' backyards, going, "Get over here! Get over here right now! Dad, come it! I'm not playing her." I'm just waiting for someone to call the police. There's an idiot in my backyard well, yelling at a, a dog. You're the mayor of Dublin, so everybody knows who you are. So I think you'll be all right. I'm glad everything's well, going well, know, buddy. They, if they see me in my trench coat out there, they might uh, say, might this is not, "There's something not right here." Great talking to you, buddy. As always, I'll see you. Bye. All right. Dom DeBerry, Tuesdays with DeBerry on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Thing or not a thing up next, Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. A lot has changed in 30 years, but we're still that old shoe that feels worn in and well-loved. And while we smell a little, but you've accepted that. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Drink recommendations, movie reviews, sports discussion, and whatever the hell Reeser does. This is Bishop and Friends. I time a little thing or not a thing. Hit it, fellas. Things or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros. First one up today from ESPN. The Dolphins hope to keep quarterback Tua Tungavailoa in South Florida for the foreseeable future. Future General Manager Chris Greer said Monday, speaking to local media, Greer said while the two sides tabled contract negotiations during the regular season, they will intensify this offseason as Tungavailoa enters the final year of his rookie deal. Quote, we stayed in touch with his agent, had good conversations throughout the year, never talked about money or anything, just good conversations about where he is. The goal is to have him here long term playing at a high level that's always the goal we'll communicate with him through the off season and like we've always said in the past you guys know me we don't really talk to the uh, media sure. through all of this stuff so we'll keep those talks internal and with his reps end quote thing or not a thing i think this is a well this isn't a thing he will be back um i mean they could always franchise him if they if they wanted to i think this is a this is a really tough Negotiation, because what's the number, right? He's not a reset the market guy. 
So the number is probably similar to. I would I would think it'd be similar to like Jalen and be, be less than Burrow, but is it is it the Jalen Kyler world? That type of world is that is he worthy of that? That's this is why it is so hard. It's it's easy when you have Burrow and you have Herbert. Like reset the market. That's a piece of cake. It's hard when you have a guy who's a really good player, but are you sure that he's that? But he might be worth that to you because what are your options? So I think it's going to be a very tricky needle to thread for them down there. I really do. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, this isn't a thing because, like, what do you expect him to be to, him to say? You know, uh, I think it is good everything that he's saying because, of course, it has to be, or else you fodder you you provide fodder for everybody and. You know, local media, national media, be like, do they? Is there trouble with Tua mm-hmm. in Miami? But yeah, I mean, your point's extremely valid. Like, this, this you value you this it? guy the same as what's out, what's after Burrow and Herbert? Because it, it isn't those two, but it it and, could be close because of the market. And from the other side, like, how do the conversations have to go for the agent to finally relent and be like? Yes, he's not the best quarterback in the league, so yeah. we understand that this can is he? the de- no, he can't. But at a certain point, they have to there accept to the deal that's on the, the he's board. He's not Burrow, so you have to reset it. That's I, why yeah, it's, it's not tough. at that number. Yeah, like yeah, it's really tough. Earlier this morning, ESPN's Adam Schefter tweeted: Six-time All-Pro and future Hall of Famer center Jason Kelsey told his Eagles teammates on Monday night's post-game locker room that he is in fact retiring. Thing or not a thing. I mean, huge thing. He's a Philadelphia sports icon. He was part of a Super Bowl winning team. He is a future gold jacket, six-time All-Pro. That's it. And, you know, one of the fulcrums of, of their success. So, yeah, it's a huge thing. It, and, boy, I him and his brother, you you knew that he had to be, because you know he's older than Travis, and Travis is 34. But it, it, until you see 36, because they've just been such a, they've kind of been a comet in the last, like, two years on the national scene, him and his brother, but they've been playing for, obviously, a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, he was a big deal when they won the Super Bowl all the way back with yeah. Foles, and that was seven years? Is that seven years ago already? Was that 2017? I guess it would be the 2017 season, so six years ago for the 2023 yeah, season. Either way, that's a long... And you're talking about he was already a veteran at that point, and you're right, this is a big deal because of all those accolades that you can lay on him, the ones that are truthful, the ones that are seen in the future with the, the Hall of Fame also coming into, you know, clearly a guy who's going to have that right there on his radar. But as far as him retiring, like, the timing isn't really that big of a thing. There were questions about whether he wanted to come back after the Super Bowl run last year. And I think it was just because yeah. they made it to the Super Bowl that he's like, okay, yeah, let's let's give this one last run. We feel like we have it. Obviously came up short with that. But uh, an illustrious career for him. And, yes, um, him and his brother have seemingly taken over the uh, I, promotional narratives of the NFL over the last year. And now they're pod- tight end. Yeah, now their podcast is a huge deal, and so he'll have more time to pursue that. We'll see how much the podcast can grow during Jason's retirement. This from the Skull Session. I saw this this morning. The mad scientist Jim Knowles, he performed at an all-American level in 2023. According to Dave Bartu of Matrix Analytical Solutions, the Ohio State assistant was the second-best defensive coordinator in college football this past season behind Phil Parker of Iowa. Never heard of him. And such, (laughs) Bartu named Knowles a second-staff All-American. Thing or not a thing? I mean, not a thing, because all that really matters is the Michigan game. And you weren't good enough there, so... Yeah, defense was better. It's better than it was the year before, but it wasn't good enough. So I don't know that anyone's going to be crowning anybody because of... Uh, I didn't even heard of this. 
Dave Bartu, the Matrix Analytical Solutions. That's an incredible name of a company. Yeah, the stat they listed was uh, he scored a 94.2 MAS score, whereas okay. a 98.1 for Phil Parker at Iowa. And I, I don't know the context of that stat. <laughs> no, like, what does that even mean? It's close to 100, so it's got to be high. We didn't go to Cornell. This is true. That's so true. he's yeah. clearly a Mensa mind, but you're absolutely right, Bo. The last two games, I mean, Cotton Bowl was okay. was was fine. Defense yeah. looked good in that game. Michigan was, was brutal. Yeah, it's tough. During the third quarter of last night's Bulls-Cavs game in Cleveland, which the Wine and Gold won, mm. Chicago's Andre Drummond was on the line for a free throw when the Jumbotron showed a graphic announcing the Steelers had been eliminated by the Bills. This drew cheers, and Drummond missed the back end of a one-and-one. One. Thing or not a thing? So... Obviously not a thing, but I. But what I do think is in, that that is that if you go to a Cavs game, that is their go-to boo is the Steelers logo or Roethlisberger. Much like if you go to a Blue Jackets game, it's the M. Yeah, like the I was thinking M. the same thing. Yeah, you know they'll throw that block M up there, and then you, everybody boos for that. So like the the most thing that most people Cleveland hate more than anything is the Steelers. Um, but and second is eighth, um, and much like here with Michigan, like the Steelers are Cleveland's Michigan. It's only slightly a thing because it actually did result in Drummond missing the free throws. Well, so. he sucks at free throws, too. Yeah, so he sucks anyways, <laughs> right? So who knows if it has anything it to do with I that. forgot he was on the Bulls. That was, was so a note I. to me last night. Like, oh, yeah, he's still around. But, yeah, yeah, the M up on the Jumbotron here in Columbus and people booing that indiscriminately, that's exactly what that reminded me of. Real quick, the Athletics Manny Navarro, we ranked all 30 CFP games on entertainment value from the four-team era. Uh, the Buckeyes on the list a lot because they played in a lot of CFP games, including mm-hmm. the National Championship games as well. The highest they got was number three, the 2022 last year's semifinal against Georgia, which the Buckeyes lost 42-41. to 41. The top uh, two, our number two, was uh, the 2016 championship. Clemson defeated Alabama 35-31, and the 2017 championship was a number one, where Alabama defeated Georgia 26-20 three in overtime thing or not a thing that you can't beat the two i mean it's a walk-off one is deshaun watson walk-off um to hunter renfro for the win and the other one is a legit walk-off like to a tongue of Iloa devonta smith game over so that you can't beat those two um as as the top and then they had the loss which was great the george game is a great game it's awesome yeah it's appropriate it's, it's a cool thing but you're you're right it's those two are the best and then it, it's I mean that that field goal going left. Yeah, I mean those. Well, the fact that thirty-one ever. nothing against Clemson is number twenty-two. It's like ew, what was twenty-three through thirty? Yeah, then? what was the rest of it? There's a lot of bad ones: Cincinnati, Alabama, Michigan, TCU, Georgia, TCU, Georgia, Georgia TCU, TCU. More namely, that yeah. could be probably thirty. The, that's probably the worst of all of them. We'll blitz the NFL coming up next. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. Matty Ice is currently bathing himself in creamy jalapeno dip. And I've officially run out of ways to tease this show. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays at noon. The Fan. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Distilled sports discussion served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. I've gotten a bunch, we were talking about the Harbaugh situation, and I've had a bunch of people on social say, hey, 
a real sticking point is, and I, I think Dan Wetzel, I think Chops, you brought this up, Wetzel even reported this, the sticking point is the language that Harbaugh wants immunity from termination if they find anything in the incident of life. It's all just diversion, clearly. Like we said this earlier, I, I think we've been working on this since like, November. <laughs> we, it's all just, he wants to coach in the NFL. So yeah, the, I'm sure they're working on a fallback plan if it doesn't work out in the NFL, but the odds are pretty good it's going <laughs> to, that he's, it's going to work out just fine for him. In the NFL. So, yes, I understand that they're putting this out there, that there are sticking points. We mentioned the John U. Bacon report and Wetzel and all of that. But he wants to be an NFL head coach. He's wanted to be an NFL coach since after the 2019 season. And he got an interview with a, uh, an organization he played for and in a part of the country he wants to live. So... And my hunch is he'll be the next head coach at the Chargers. Yeah, it's, and it's always been reported that he's been enamored with winning a Super Bowl. And he made it all the way to a Super Bowl and lost to his brother. And then the way he was talking about... Oh man, if you can win, you can call yourself a national champion. The last few weeks leading up yeah. to the national championship game, it's like, okay, he clearly has this like reverence for like, once you get to the top of the game, that's the ultimate goal. And so now he wants to go do that in the NFL because it's not left for him in the college game. He did it. He made he it to it. the national title. Yeah, he's done it. Uh, let's blitz the NFL. Bishop and Friends present NFL Blitz. I believe I had that. What did you have, Reese? I was four and two last Good week with uh, picks from our friends at Typico Sportsbook and Green Bay plus seven and a half. Don't trust the Dallas Cowboys. Don't just stop. Hey, <laughs> hey, you out there, don't trust the Dallas Cowboys. I too went four and two, and that's yeah. I believe I had that Packers plus seven and a half, Cowboys in shambles. No, it's just that they can't beat good teams. I don't know if that's the coach. I don't know if that's a Dak problem. I don't know what it is about them because, like the Dolphins, they can pile it on, but when they stack up against a team that can go toe to toe with them, they have a really tough time, and that's why we might be seeing that coaching change, but it hasn't been made yet. Went two and four. Uh, in terms of ones that I got, I, it was cover on both of them. I had Kansas City winning but not covering, and I had Detroit covering. Neither covered. Uh, Detroit didn't cover. Kansas City did. So those were the two that I got wrong, although I had the right uh, operation in terms of the teams winning it. Uh, won the money line, but not um, in, in regard to our friends at Tipico. Uh, the one I was most confident about, though, was Buffalo. I mean, that just had it writing all over that Pittsburgh had slunk in to the playoffs and that they would slunk out. They showed a little bit heart in the in the third quarter and early fourth to kind of make it a one-score game, but there was never any doubt that, that Buffalo, the run Buffalo's on right now, if they're ever going to win it, this feels like the year that they're going to win it. I know they're battered, um, but they're humming right now, and they, you knew that that would be a buzzsaw for the Steelers, and it ended up being one yesterday. Didn't have that. What didn't you have, Reese? Boy, I, I said this yesterday. I just didn't have, I didn't have the Browns collapse like that. I didn't have their defense no showing. I, there was, oh, I was, I was as wrong as I've ever been about the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, it was a stunning result. The way that, not losing, I think anybody could have had a roadmap yeah. to lose, although I picked them to win, but rather just the, the way was stunning to watch. I thought the Eagles would still have it, especially only having to travel down to Tampa and take on the Buccaneers. Not the toughest task as far as when you were going to be on the road, and they were the favorite team. They should have been the favorite team. Obviously, the game went a very different direction than we thought, but I thought, eh, Sirianni, I don't think he's really on the hot seat. I do now. Um, did I think that they were going to be oh, like perfect and roll through the playoffs? No, but I thought they could beat Tampa Bay, and I thought, you know, teams hit their slump. We saw San Francisco, who's playing better than just about anybody in football. They hit a <laughs> slump in the middle of the season. The Buffalo Bills, who are another team that is playing super hot, they hit a slump, and I thought the Eagles would be okay to come out of that, but when they didn't get that tush push, when they decided to then go for two, 
there, there was a feeling of something's different here. And I think we did yeah. say this a lot going out of last year. And I remember you both saying it specifically, but like, hey, guys, pump the brakes on Jalen Hurts being the best quarterback of all time. It's just one season, and guys yeah. have one season sometimes in the NFL. And he's still a good quarterback. I'm not trying to say, oh, now he's trash. It's just this is how the NFL comes at you, and people start to figure it out, and then you got to take that next step, and can they? I don't know. Yeah, the 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 point. I was, the other point to that point I made about Hertz then was was the one that the other thing that came true this year, which is he takes a beating. Yeah, he takes an absolute beating, and you just can't subject your quarterback to hits like that. And and they do consistently. Even the tush push, like every single one of those, is a collision for him. Even though he's being pushed from behind, there's people hammering him in all different levels. It's it's brutal. No, I did not have the the Eagles in complete collapse. Also, did not have the Bucks dominant. Uh, they were dominant. It wasn't beating Philly. Like they dominated them. They Philly couldn't get anything going. And and <clears throat> Baker threw him for three thirty seven. But so many of those drives ended in points. They weren't always touchdowns, but it was field goals. They just kept stacking, and they were kind of able to do whatever they wanted. I absolutely did not have that. Their Player, first drives actually, I have that from the Bucks was field goal TD, field goal, field goal, and then finally a punt with like one thirty three left in the second quarter. Yeah, that's that's wild. Uh, player who impressed the most. Well, C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love are probably the right answers, but I was impressed with watching Baker Mayfield last night. He's great. He didn't turn the ball over. Mm-mm. And in those situations... Almost did. Almost. Peyton Manning about... I flipped over to Manning cast. Manning has a hard time watching Baker because of something. Some just some of the wild... Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... Gunslinger's the proper term there, but... And there were so many times with the Browns, it was in big situations. You're like, all right, Baker, come on, yep. and you'd break your heart. Yeah, I mean, C.J. Stroud was a dude. We've talked about him a lot. I also, this stood out to me while watching the game, and then you look at the stats, and you're like, yeah, it makes sense. But Rasheed Rice, who the hell's that? Yeah. Not a player that was on my radar. He has eight catches for 130 yards and a touchdown in the Chiefs game against the Dolphins. Hey, if Mahomes can find a playoff weapon that he likes then they, I mean, they're already scary with Mahomes still around, but if he finds somebody besides Kelsey who can get stuff done for them, bam, Chiefs are here. Yeah, we mentioned uh, Love and Stroud a little bit yesterday, so I, I won't duplicate that. I was with you, Reese. I, did, I, was, I was happy for Baker. Um, did not end greatly in Cleveland. A lot of that falls at his feet. Um, even a lot of stuff that hasn't been reported in terms of the way that all of that happened. But um, he that, t- that takes a lot of internal intestinal fortitude to build yourself back, to believe in yourself in a playoff game after being shut. I mean, guys, he won the starting job in Carolina, and then they benched him. I mean, he this is a guy who they cut him. I mean, he was he was cut by the worst operation in the NFL. It's crazy um, to be able to have that type of self belief, and he, he definitely has that player who disappointed the most. Reese, uh, hmm, take your pick: Browns or Eagles defense? Yeah, there's a lot to choose. From. Pretty disastrous. I went to the other side of the ball. Now, he did have a 53-yard touchdown early in the game. Tyreek Hill did, but then he just disappeared against his old team. He was being hit at the line, and he's then he wasn't even on the field as much later in the game because I think there is a, a thing with Tyreek Hill where if it, things aren't going well, he, he gets a little frustrated and yeah. isn't always the best option for your team out there, and you can't be that. Not with what they traded to give up to you, not with what they, they pay you. you got to play that entire game, and if things start not going well, I mean, it was... The Chiefs were always in control, but technically score-wise, it was never like crazy out of hand. They could have come back into it with another big play from Tyreek Hill, and he just disappeared after that touchdown. Yeah, yeah, he was getting manhandled at the line, too. It really they was. They just were taking him right to there. For me, Dak Prescott, like, I made the case a couple of weeks ago, like, 
you looked at the regular season, like he's going to be, he should be probably be second to Lamar Jackson for MVP. And a couple of the interceptions he threw against the the Packers early, just stupefying. Like you're not giving yourself a chance. The defense obviously had its problems, but he was great once the game was out of control, and he was brutal in the first half of that game. And they needed him to be what they pay him to be, which is a franchise quarterback. And um, it's another another postseason flameout for him. Going to be interesting offseason for them with him. Bud Kilmer, honorary coach of the week, Reese. D'Amico Ryans. It's really impressive what he's been able to do. Rookie coach Jeez. helps to have your rookie quarterback not play like a rookie. And then defensively, they came to play. And I, he's buff, man. Like, Hama versus Dan Campbell would be a, a fun Super Bowl, but <laughs> yeah. also a fun street fight. It's funny we've seen we've seen how you know the NFL it rigs everything to where it's all to the middle right so the roster differences aren't really that much even from the top to the very very bottom it's not that big of a difference it's amazing what what like motivation and belief can do if you have pieces now it falls flat if he doesn't have CJ Stroud like Stroud being a dude's that's the job one but the complete buy-in that that organization had with Ryan's is it's really been a remarkable story <laughs> Racer, when you said D'Amico Ryan's, he's still buff. He is still really in good shape. And it reminded me of something that I had put out of my mind. But when the game started and they were talking about it and they were showing the two sidelines, Jen goes, wait, is this a hot head coach game that both head coaches are good looking and we get a look at this the whole time? And I was like, I guess. So that good for him from there. But also, I think with uh, them, CJ Stroud is really good, but you need great scheme to do what you did against this Cleveland Browns defense, and they put them in a blender. So I'm going the next step below to Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Texans. That guy knows what he's doing, coaching offensive football. Yeah, he does. You know who else knows what he's doing? Matt LaFleur. We we call him Peter all the time when Threes and I did the show uh, for Dodgeball. Uh, you probably should say his real – the dude's unbelievable. Like, resurrects Rodgers – um, and because it, that was trending in the wrong direction, he had his magical years with Rodgers and deals with all of his off field stuff, which now it seems like, my God, what did you have to deal with? And then Jordan Love looked incompetent at, at times at the start of this season. He looked incompetent sometimes filling in for Rodgers, and he was sensational. He's sensational. Like that dude can coach ball and and deserves a ton of credit. Uh, for for what he has done there, it's a remarkable thing that he's done. Uh, top three teams right now, Reese. Who do you got? Oh, it, it's tough because you're coming out of wild card or super wild card weekend, and you do want to give a lot of these teams their flowers, but you've also got to remember the two on the buy were on the buy yeah. for a reason. But I am going to be a little bit prisoner of the moment: Bills, Ravens, Niners. Uh, I have the same three, but I did not get the the Bills to elevate all the way to number one. They're at my third. I've got Ravens, 49ers, Bills. I would go Baltimore, San Francisco, Buffalo, um, but you can invert San Francisco, Baltimore, however you want them to be. But I, just for this weekend, I thought the three teams that looked to me like could really go for a while, Buffalo, Detroit looks to me like it could go for a while, especially with another home game and getting the Bucks, um, and then Green Bay. I mean, that was that was a whitewashing of of the Cowboys at their place. That was a stunning result. Um, and the Texans won as well. Super Bowl right now, Reese. Who do you got? And Niners over the Bills. Chopper. Uh, I have the Ravens over the Niners. Things are it's gonna this weekend's really gonna change some opinions yeah. here. Yeah. Bills feel like team of destiny to me. Mm-hmm. I, I got Bills and Niners as well. Um, the way that it stacks up now. But would I be shocked if if Mahomes went in there and won? 
No, I would not. Um, somebody on social uh, did a reference to Parks and Rec. Did I get the wrong fake company so, with John Raffio? Didn't he have anything to do with Prestige Re- Worldwide? What You're just getting the names of the companies mixed up. So Prestige Worldwide is Step Brothers. Investors, possibly oh, that's you. Right. Entertainment 720, 720 is Tom Haverford Tommy and John and Raffio. So it's, it's 720 because they'll go around reference. the earth twice for twice. you. Okay, so it's this. Okay, Prestige Worldwide is Step Brothers, and the 720 is John Raffio and uh, and Tom. They, mm-hmm. they did that up. You know, who was a big fan of uh, their song in that Prestige Worldwide music video they made. James Laurinaitis. He would he yeah, would come he in singing that every like that. once or twice a week for some reason. He would love that. Uh, Jake Trotter coming up at eleven thirty three on the Browns. Now that that season is in the books, now what? It's a big time question. We will get to it coming up next. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. We used to have a billboard with our host face on it, but only ugly people work here now. You mama say you ugly, hey! The Fan, Ohio sports destined. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Our top men are working on everything except this show. This is Bishop and Friends. I do think, um, I do think I, part of the reason that I was hopeful, other than just, you know, my kids love the Browns and I do stuff with the Browns and so you're rooting for them. Um, I think beyond that, I just was hoping to delay this conversation another week. Would have been nice to not have to get into what this offseason will be like, Reese. I also hope that C.J. Stroud wouldn't be the one to rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah. In a way, though, I guess if it was anybody, I'm glad it's him. Yeah. You know, you know, you can't help you. You you'd love him and you root for him, but it just, I just wanted to delay in this because it's is going to be a drastically different roster. Kevin Stefanski uh, available for his post mortem on Sunday, um, and was was acknowledging how different the team will look next year. The players are always different, and that's the, the that's the NFL. Uh, it's never the same ever. Uh, so uh, you treat each year differently. Uh, I would tell you the core of this football team, the guys that we know are coming back, are are guys that represent who we are. Um, you know that understand what they need to do uh, in, on a day to day basis to be great. So uh, we're excited about that, but. Bottom line is, when you're talking about the locker room, it, it's the people. It is just the people in that locker room, and, and I feel strongly about the people. Yeah, I, you know, some of that is true, but there is just the giant Watson that's going to hang over this entire offseason. Stefanski was asked about Deshaun Watson's status. Of course, major surgery on a shoulder. Um, here's what Kevin Stefanski had to say about Watson. He's doing great in rehab. I'm confident he'll be ready to roll uh, this spring. He's chomping at the bit, but he's he's doing everything he's supposed to do when it comes to uh, what the doctors are telling him and as he rehabs through this, but uh, he'll be ready to roll. Well, it's, The roster's always different, but he knows that guy's going to be there. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. <clears throat> the thing that's tricky is it's not just now. Now the conversation around him can't just be about, uh, you know, will he ever ever revert back to what he was in Houston? Um 
you know, I, I don't know that that's possible having not really played significant football in the better part of three seasons. That's tough, uh, to imagine him getting back to what he was in Houston when he was a top five quarterback in the league. Uh, but beyond that, it's also health. There's no way that, that they can go into next year without having somebody behind him that they can rely upon. Um, now the trouble there is, is they have somebody who just recently played for them who they can rely upon. But to me, that feels like it's untenable. The first time, if you bring back Joe Flacco, the first time Deshaun Watson struggles, everyone's going to clamor for Flacco. So I, I don't think you can do that with something as fragile as a quarterback situation and a quarterback mindset. I don't think you can have Flacco back there, even though that would probably be the best thing for the team, would be to have him back there as the insurance policy. And I think Flacco would be open to it. I'm sure he would like to start somewhere. But also, if there isn't a starting spot out there that is one that's appealing he had a great experience. He liked the town. He liked the fan base, liked his teammates. He's kind of the perfect backup other than the standpoint, other than from the standpoint and the fact that he's the perfect backup. And he, cause Flacco probably got that out of his system a little bit to like have the, ooh, the veteran doesn't have to actually prepare, just gets to bite his time until somebody calls him. He got that last season. So I think he would be open to it, but it would just be so loud the minute that Deshaun Watson did something that the fans oh deemed not good enough and bring in Flacco, then you start seeing the Flacco jerseys come back out because I know that they exist. I saw people in them over the last few weeks around Cleveland Browns things. I just think, yeah, it's just, it would just be too much for them. They already sort of made a similar decision last year, and this one is turned up a couple of notches, and they didn't want to bring back Jacoby Brissett because I think they, they knew, yeah. and some of that salary and everything I understand but they clearly didn't have a backup quarterback situation this year and it bit them until it didn't it did lead them to going to get Flacco and that's what had them in the in the playoffs but with how well he played even with it how, as bad as the last game was it would be impossible to get people to quiet down if it became even apparent that ooh, maybe they should switch to Flacco boom it'd be a, like a bomb going the off. first pick Watson would throw in a game boo. at Cleveland Brown Stadium it would be Flacco chance and booze yeah, uh, and it would. I mean, that's week one. Like maybe even preseason. I just for the Deshaun Watson thing to even have hope, you have to separate from Flacco because of what he's done, and that it feels yeah, so damn too. counterproductive. But I, I, I think they know that, and at least I hope they know that. They're Mensa men. Yeah, they. There's no real. There isn't. There just isn't there. So that's job. So you think about all right off season checklist. For, they're going to have to redo his contract because the cap hit's a monster. So they're going to have to redo the contract so that the cap hit, hit is less. Um, then they need him up healthy and they need him seeing it in the way that, quite honestly, the way that Flacco saw it. They need the layups to be layups like they weren't, uh, except for a couple of instances for him last year. So, so that's job one is that some of that they control, some of it they don't. Um, they've got to get more help at the receiver position. They, it's kind of the one blind spot Andrew Barry, the general manager up there, has is he struggled at drafting receivers. Um, and this goes back to Corey Coleman, who he was a, a part of that draft. And um, they did land on Dan, Donovan Peoples-Jones, but then they thought they replaced him with Cedric Tillman, and they obviously did not. David Bell they drafted, uh, Anthony Schwartz they drafted. So there were guys th – that position is one where they have – because they have not hit it out of the park in the draft – they may either have to draft another one this year or they're going to have to go in free agency and get somebody who can go. So that will be a job. They're going to have to replace. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep Zedarius Smith. My hunch is not. So, and he was a great counter to Miles. So that's another thing they got to do. And then honestly, they have to re upgrade the running back room because I don't know when Nick Chubb, I mean, the most optimistic is like September, but it's catastrophic. 
And when he does come back, like, does he come, is he even what he was or does it take a while for him to get to what he is? And I don't think they can be in a situation where they're Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt on the scrap heap coming in and playing the position. And yeah, they'll need another back for that because of the health concerns with Nick Chubb. And will he even be the same? And are they ready to kind of change their offensive philosophy to not lean on the run game quite as much to not build towards that? And as Deshaun Watson, he should be because of what they gave up and what they're paying him. He should be at that level. Flacco was was getting there in the Stefanski offense that it looks Flacco like okay, was there. They can be pass first. Yeah, it can Flacco. be pass first and it can be successful. But are they ready to make that change with Nick Chubb still on the roster? I'm not saying get rid of Nick Chubb, but it's hard for me with the way with the track record we've seen from running backs over the years that somebody just comes back from that and this is the second time he's torn up a knee. It seems like too much to ask. He's still going to be, I think, a fine player, but I don't think we'll have the same Nick Chubb lining up for the Browns anymore. How could you? No, it's almost impossible to expect. And and even to get any Nick Chubb before the first month of the season, like not until October, um, just a realistic expectation. Like this isn't an Aaron Rodgers thing where it's like, no, I could totally come back and play. Damn the science. Um, I also... You're never going to get anybody like Nick, like a Nick Chubb. Like that's just hard to come by. But you get a healthy a Browns offensive line that can return to form before all the injuries started happening. It's a very mobile unit that I would like to see them try to to run the ball the way like they were factored before the Nick Chubb injury happened. Like that's yeah. what I really want to see because that gives your quarterback that security blanket that a Deshaun Watson I, I think is going to need for the first couple of weeks. So. I would like to see them be a little bit active in the free agent running back market because it can't be Jerome Ford. They can't do this thing again with Kareem Hunt. They need a back that can get up the field behind an offensive line that I love watching when they're able to get out in space. Yeah, and they're, they're, I mean, you're going to get Dewan Jones back. He was a stud. Uh, they have a Jed Rills question they got to sort out. Conklin was an all-pro, and he was hurt week one. So those things are going to get sorted out. But the big picture will be, obviously, on Watson. Jake Trotter covers the Browns for ESPN. He will join us on that coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Common man and T-Bone are idiots. You should listen to them anyway. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio's idiot destination. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Producers, co-hosts, friends, some of those things are true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Yeah, this is the, um, this will be the tricky part for uh, this this is going to be a tricky offseason for the Browns and the Steelers. Um, the Steelers, from the standpoint of the the coaching situation with with Tomlin, um, and and if they do make a change off of that, but then more so what they do at the quarterback position, and the Browns from the standpoint of they have some major roster overhaul that is necessary. Um, all the while, they need Watson healthy and to play an actual full season. Next year will be his third season in Cleveland. And you really haven't seen him do much in terms of play on the field. It's it's not that many games. And so um, can you count on that with a roster that is otherwise in its prime? Um, I'm guessing that they will, but how they handle all of that will obviously be paramount to, to where they go and, and the way this season goes. And the crazy thing about it, it's, it's similar to Ohio State football in this regard, in that um, 
you won't know until you get into next season. We're not going to know about Will Howard until we get into next season. You're not going to know until you get to the Oregon game. You're not going to know if you're going to get a full season out of Deshaun Watson until you actually get one. Uh, a guy who's there every day covering it the best in the business, covers the Browns for ESPN, Jake Trotter joining on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Before we get into the, the Watson part of it, which is what all we're going to talk about all off season and all the way into next year, um, how did what happened Sunday happen to this Browns defense? Yeah, it's really hard to explain. I mean, we thought that this Browns defense was probably the strongest unit of anybody's that made the playoffs, and they just completely no-showed. I mean, you really can't pin it on one thing. They couldn't get a pass rush. They turned people loose in the secondary like it was 2022 all over again. They missed tackles. Uh, I mean, even JOK, who was like the one guy that really stood out and played well, you know, he blew an assignment that led to the 74, 75-yard touchdown pass that yeah. made it 17-14, and Houston never relinquished the lead after that. So, like, nobody really came to play at a high level on the defensive side. And when you have a bunch of no-shows, it, it, it translates into a unit-wide no-show. So I, I don't know how to explain it. It was super disappointing. And, you know, I think when you look at this defense, uh, you know, you take a step back and look at it. They were so dominant at home and really fed mm-hmm. off the energy of that crowd. And when they they went on the road, they weren't the same. Like they weren't a bad defense on the road, but they were not the dominant defense that they had been, you know, during that stretch where they went, what, eight and one at home and the one home yeah. game they lost, you know, that was the game where DTR found out he was starting 30 minutes before kickoff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what to, how to explain it, but I, I think one thing that you do take away is, man, home field advantage in the playoffs matters. Mm-hmm. You know, And as good of a season as the Browns had, it's really tough to get to the Super Bowl if you've got to go on the road every single game in the playoffs. And you know, it's going to be tough because Baltimore's not going anywhere and Cincinnati's going to be back. And you know, if Pittsburgh can ever figure out the quarterback thing, they're not going to be an easy out either. So it's, no. it's tough, but that's that's the NFL, and that's the AFC in particular. Yeah, it is. And the, the, the other part of this, and I, I, I'm like you, I, this was a defensive failure at the top, and I know that you know the two pick sixes for Flacco are pretty brutal, but I, I think, honestly, even if he doesn't throw them, they lose the game because they just felt like C.J. Stroud had the answers to the test. The Flacco conversation, the bigger part of it, he obviously loved his time there. Do you get the sense, he, and it was interesting, like he was kind of the face of the organization for the last couple of weeks, like he was in front of everything. Um, do you get the sense that he want? I guess, what sense do you get of what he wants his career to be from here out? Well, I think he wants to keep playing. Um, and I think he showed that he can still play. Now, is he a starting quarterback in the NFL? I mean, I think that if he continues to play the way that he did, yeah. Like, he could have helped a lot of teams this year. It doesn't seem like he's in the Browns' future plans. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know they've got DTR. They want to continue to develop him as as Watson's backup. They got Watson coming back, and so we're kind of back where we've been the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Like, what kind of version of Deshaun Watson are we going to get? Guy has played in eleven games since twenty twenty. That was Jeez. the season the Browns won a playoff game in Pittsburgh. Now he's coming off surgery to his throwing shoulder, and he's just going to step back in and, and be twenty twenty Deshaun Watson. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but there's a lot to like about this team, but they're also in a tough spot in a lot of ways because they're going to be the most expensive team in the NFL next year and 
for the foreseeable future because of that Watson contract. You know, they're going to have to extend Miles Garrett again. They're going to have to extend Denzel Ward again. They're going to have to pay JOK. Mm-hmm. So now you're in a, a situation where you want to upgrade the roster. You don't have really the assets to do that via trade. Like, you can't go get Devontae Adams if you were on the market. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just not going to have the scratch to get it done. You know, you're going to have to start to look at, like, Amari Cooper is getting older. And, you know, he was banged up at the end of the year for a second straight season. You know, do you need to get a, a new number one receiver? How are you going to do that? You know, you're going to have to move on from somebody like Wyatt Teller because you just can't pay two guards the, the money that they're paying them, you know, to be a pass-first offense. And they got a lot of tough questions they're going to have to deal with this offseason. And really, it's going to be every offseason for the length of that Watson contract because of the way they've restructured those contracts. His in particular, they're just going to be super expensive from here on out. It really is, Jake, and it's an impossible spot with Watson because they have a roster that obviously with with good and, and forget even great, with good quarterback play can beat anybody in the league, but you have no idea if he can get back to that. And I don't know that you can roll the dice on another season um, thinking that if something happens to him, you almost have to prepare that he's not going to play every game. How could you? How could you prepare that he's going to play every game? To your point, he hasn't done so in this will be four seasons, man. Like I don't I don't know how they could do that and sell it to a team that is otherwise ready made with veterans. And even the best version of Watson. Let's say you get I don't know what that is. Yeah, you get second half Baltimore of Watson, okay. right? Like or some version of that. And he was really good in that half before, you know, he was out for the year. Where where does that rank right now in the AFC? Cuz I CJ Stroud is coming. Uh, you know, you've got, you know, Trent Richardson is on the way mm-hmm. if he can stay healthy. You, you know, you've got uh, obviously Mahomes and Allen and Burrow's going to be back. And Herbert will be better. Lamar's about to win his second MVP. I mean, yeah, it's just like I'm looking at this team and there's a lot to like. Are they sixth in the AFC going into next season? Kind of feels like that's that. where they're going to be again. I can't have them that, that high, high, Jake. Not without, not with with the uncertainty around Watson. I yeah. can't, I can't because I, I have no, there's, I've no, all right, there's two years now. Now one is a suspension that was a lot longer than they thought. And now a se- a catastrophic injury to a shoulder, season ending catastrophic injury to a shoulder. Um, it's forever since we've seen him play. You, we hang on to these, these uh, half against Tennessee or the year before we had a good quarter against Washington. But like, even before that happened, I, I'll be honest with you, buddy. I thought the offense looked better. Although the interceptions were troubling with Flacco and without Nick Chubb and without their starting tackles than it has with any time under Watson. The best version of the Browns last, uh, this past season was those four games that they won with Flacco. Yes. Where they were, you know, smoking Houston on the road and they were, uh, you know, hanging with the Rams on the road and they were, you know, beating down Jacksonville. I mean, that was, that was the best stretch that they played all year. Now, their best win was out of Baltimore. But before and after, it was, like, so inconsistent. And they, they finally kind of put a string of games together uh, before they sat everyone at Cincy. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like, if that made a difference at the end of the day, but they just didn't – they weren't able to rediscover their mojo on either side of the ball after that. And by the way, Flacco and Houston, the first half, played really well. Like, he was, yes. like, 15 and 19 for, mm-hmm. you know, 180 um, – I can't remember if he had a touchdown in the first half or not. My, it feels like that game was a year ago now. But, like, he yeah. played well. The problem was, is, you know, he started to press because the defense was getting lit up and he made a 
catastrophic decision with the pick six, the first yeah. pick six. I mean, I don't really, you know, the second pick six, whatever. I mean, you're fourth and what, uh, you know, you're, fourth, you're going for it on fourth down, your own 30. Like, yeah. you're in desperation mode, and the game was kind of over at that point anyway. But, yeah, I mean, I, Flacco, the interceptions were, you know, were, they hurt. But, like, guess what? Everybody who played quarterback for the Browns last year turned the ball over. The Browns mm-hmm. committed, like, 40-something. I, I can't remember how many they had in the Houston game. You know, they had 37 going into the Houston game. That was the number one in the NFL. It wasn't just Joe Flacco. No. I mean, it was Watson. It was Walker. It was DTR. It was Driscoll. I mean, everybody who played quarterback turned the ball over. And it's just very difficult to overcome. But um, at least with Flacco, you were getting the chunk plays in the passing game, which, I mean, you weren't, weren't really getting with Deshaun Watson very often. No, they weren't. I'll get you out of here on this one because the other thing that's kind of circling around all of this, you did such a great job of outlining like all of the questions they have. Um, Nick Chubb, what, how do they handle that? And what, what sense do you get on what you'll never know? Like what percentage of Nick Chubb, the old Nick Chubb, you're going to get coming off of an injury like the one he had. But what is the sense that you get about his availability and how they'll handle this offseason with Nick? I mean, I, I think they're going to bring him back. I don't think he's going to be ready to go for the start of the season. I mean, he is, you know, he just got off crutches from the second surgery in, was that no, late November? Yeah. Late November? Uh, early December? So, you know, he's got a ways to go still. And, you know, he hasn't been able to really work out the way he works out. Um, you know, hopefully that'll start to ramp up for him at some point in the spring, but He's just got a long road back before he's going to be cleared. I actually would not be stunned if they draft a running back mm-hmm. on day two. I mean, it seems kind of crazy that they would do that when you have Nick Chubb and then you got Jerome Ford. But I, I think that they may need to – I've heard that might be a position they address. Like, don't be surprised um, if, they, if they do that. And, you know, they've got, they've got some needs, um, you know, at, at, at receiver too because – I mean, outside of Amari, who's getting older, you know, what do you really have there, yeah. right? Like, I don't know if Cedric Tillman, you know, what he's going to be. I don't, I don't know if Elijah Moore is a future here. Um, you know, David Bell actually was the one that kind of came on down the stretch. But, you know, he's kind of like a number four receiver, right? He's not mm-hmm. a number two. So that, that might be a position they have to address in the draft as well if they don't, you know, if they don't uh, make a trade or, or sign anybody in free agency. But – yeah, I mean, I don't know what Nick Chubb is going to look like, but I, I don't think he's going to be ready to go when they open the season either. So, no. you know, that's a position that I think you're going to have to address in some way because of the uncertainty around Nick Chubb. Agree. I agree, my friend. Uh, great stuff from you today. Appreciate your time. Great coverage all season long. You're the best in the business. Thank you for your time, bud. Appreciate you, Bo. See you soon. All right, that's Jake Trotter. Covers the Browns at ESPN. Three things on a Tuesday coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Big Voice Guy here to remind you that you're listening to The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Okay, thanks. I have three more seconds. Uh, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
The uncle you never knew you had. The friends you kind of wish you didn't. This is Bishop and Friends. Hi, Reese. What do we have on the poll today? Daily Fan Poll sponsored by ER Auto Care, masters of our craft. Today's Fan Poll asks, will the Blue Jackets be able to facilitate a trade for Elvis Merzlikens before the March 8th trade deadline? 63% of respondents say no. 37% say yes. Yes. I agree. Feels like it. All right. Three things. Hit it. One. Two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. Number one for me, I uh, we've got a lot of large trees here on the property. And so while the landscapers, they'll come every Friday in the fall and they'll they'll blow the leaves and it's a full day when they do it. Uh, this fall one day, you know what? I, in, in between, I want to be able to do that too. So I went and got the most powerful uh, rechargeable electric leaf blower on the market, and the thing's unbelievable. It's like a it's like a jet engine. Uh, this thing, and it is so powerful, in fact, that I can use it to snow blow, and it annihilates the snow. This thing is the the brand is Ego. I I have no affiliation with them whatsoever. It's just a hell of a product. This brings me to my next one because the, the sun came out a little bit and I, I actually do enjoy this weather in its spurts and we're getting it here in the first week or so of it. So if there's enough snow, I might try to shovel. If there's too little, I might do the, the snow blower route today. But I do want to get out in this weather and actually experience. And the other best thing about snowy days is uh, Kit wanted to go out this morning right when I got up and I let her out. You can see the dog. She's got this dark chocolate fur on her. And in the yeah. snow, any it doesn't matter what time of night it is. You can see her in such stark contrast. So I actually know that she did go to the bathroom this morning and didn't just run around for a few minutes. First thing, uh, this is from Reddit CFB. The NFC East, AL East, and SEC are worth a combined $500 billion and won a total of zero playoff games this year. <laughs> terrible out of them just means more <clears throat> certainly does um number two for me uh iowa caucus last night i think it's just absurd that this is a thing that your your home state shops you're wearing your proud iowa football sweatshirt that has nothing to do with it i know it doesn't <laughs> like the notion that like this starts like that there's some validity to this state in the middle of the country deciding that this is how this is going to start to go but that's not even why i'm talking about it the idea they showed this video like People looking at ballots with their eyes through glasses to determine where a vote is. How do we not have universal... Like, my Heisman ballot is really easy. It's verified, two steps, boom, go. How in the hell is voting in America this difficult? I'm I'm so sick of seeing people looking through glasses trying to see what a vote is. A mark on a box. This is ridiculous the way that we vote in this country. Second one for me, um, I find that subtitles are too distracting when watching a movie or anything, but Jayla's been on a kick with them, and she she wants them on. And then, somehow, we ended up in the subtitle version of The Iron Claw, because I booked, it said 25% off, and I was like, I want to get the movie done early anyways. It was 10.30 a.m. showing. I think it was for people who are hard of hearing or deaf people to go, so when the movie first started, it had subtitles on. So I played myself into going to a movie like that. Uh, I felt good. It was like packed, so I don't think I t- took any seats from people who who needed that to enjoy the movie. But the problem with subtitles is I find myself reading instead of watching, and yeah, I it, it 
I read every letter and then I, I and then I have to worry about watching the screen. It doesn't work for me. Speaking of the uh, NFC East, you're not going to hear from Jerry or Stephen Jones this week. 105.3 The Fan in Dallas says their what? contractual agreements end at season's end, so neither are going to be doing scheduled radio appearances, as if contractual agreements have ever stopped <laughs> them from appearing whenever and wherever they want to before. No, I don't think they're going to take the Alabama job because that's already been filled, but really interesting to see them go radio silent, especially Jerry. So... But he can still do pressers. He's he can just still not do them. He's just choosing yeah. not to. He's well. He's not going to do his radio availability. So he. But like, if they make a coaching sure. fire, I was talking to Bob. He said, "I go. You know him better than anybody. Like you, you, you know him quite well. Like what's taking so long?" He but, said, "I think he just doesn't want to make it seem like it's reaction." I don't ever remember him like not going and doing his radio hits though. No, I don't either. Like, he loves that stuff. Yeah, but this is a tough one to admit you're wrong on McCarthy. Could it be maturity from Jerry? <laughs> I hope not. I don't want that. Number three, here's my get off the lawn moment. That music being the Critch Holtman show is coming up shortly. There is no reason for youth basketball, certainly at the community level, to allow anything other than man-to-man defense through the sixth grade. The idea that we played games over this weekend and I got fourth graders playing 1-3-1 half-court trap is nonsense. It just creates a ton of bad habits, some common sense. Please. Last one here. And who knows if this is true, but Bill's Mafia, they they know no limits. Apparently somebody fell into the pit that their new stadium is being built in. And since then, the winning streak started. So now somebody's falling in every single week. Again, these are just reports, but I believe it coming out of Bill's Mafia. Darius Garland's received clearance to resume basketball-related activities. All right, there you go. The Coach Holtman Show coming up right now. We are back tomorrow. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Browns and all the NFL games you can handle. The fan. It's a fan action update. This action update is brought to you by Mary Haven. Mary Haven Gambling Intervention Program, where free help is available to gamblers and their loved ones. Eight teams left now with a chance to win the Super Bowl. Here are the Super Bowl odds: 49ers the favorite at plus 175, Ravens plus 275, Bills are five to one, Chiefs are plus 650, and Lions are plus 850. Packers, Texans, Buccaneers are all 25 to one to win it all. For your Mary Haven action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.